2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I remember one time I was like, I don't even want to ask for forgiveness. Like, why? Because I'm just going to screw up anyway. Like, either today or tomorrow or next week or whatever. Like, why even ask for forgiveness if I'm actually going to fall back into it? Waking up in the morning, though, it's so freeing because I could literally be stoked. Like, like, th- like that's the feeling. Like, I am loved by God. God gets butterflies in his stomach thinking about me. Yo. Welcome to the Death Live Podcast. My name is Richard Young. And today's podcast is an interview with a guy named Joel, who I just met. Uh, but his story is crazy. Seeing this dude walk out truth in his life after so many years and stuck in some weirdness, it's just a blessing to see, just to see it. So you're going to enjoy this story. Uh, it would, this one was recorded not too long ago. Uh, and I hope uh, you receive a blessing from it as much as I did. But uh, let's not step on it too much. Let's just jump into this thing. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Buckle up, strap it in. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart. It's a new beat. It's a new thing. It's a new seat. It's a new king. It's a new dream. So where did you grow up, dude? So I was born in the United States in Lincoln, Nebraska, right down in your turf. Uh, my grandma lived on South 49th Street. Um, and so there's a, there's a popcorn shop right there on the corner. forgot the name of it. But we get these huge gargantuan popcorn bags. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Colby Ridge, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I was a little kid. I don't know the name of it. I just remember these popcorn bags taller than I was. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so you grew up in Lincoln. Well, grew up as in like for the first few years until I think I was two. Uh-huh. My brother, my brother's two years younger. So um, 
when he was born, maybe around that time, we moved to New York. My parents were involved with a ministry over there. And so we were there for about a year or two. And then when I was five, we moved to the country of Norway because my mom's Norwegian. She came over from Norway to to join my dad in this ministry thing that they had going on. And because they had a restaurant in downtown New York, and then they had like a lifestyle center in the country. And so they they, they met up there and um, that's how they met. And so once, you know, they, they went back to that ministry and then, um, you know, when I was five, they were like, you know what, that, that ministry opportunity fell through. And so they're like, Hey, let's, let's move to Norway. So I lived there. People always ask me, he's like, are you a military missionary? I'm like, no, I'm just Norwegian. <laughs> How long did you live there? So I lived, I lived in Norway for about 10 years. So from when I was five until 15. So I went there to, you know, elementary school, all my moms, aunt, like all my aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody lives over there. It was a, it was a really cool experience. I speak, so I've always spoken Norwegian. That was, Nor- that was Norwegian. Uh, so I speak Norwegian um, and I've spoken English to my dad uh, fluently ever since I was a kid. I don't really have an accent either. And even to this day, I mean, I talk to my mom in Norwegian every day. So let me ask you this, man. Where, uh, where in your mind does the old Joel story start? Like when you're thinking about, um, when we think about the gospel and we think about who God is in our mind, and as we're learning that we were dead in our sins and transgressions, even though you, you and I are both born into the church, but at the same mm-hmm. time, we're both born into Adam. Um, and so sometimes we think that because we're born into these parents that love the Lord, that we get to skip out on the, that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Like, uh, but when you think about that, where does the old Joel start? Like wh- where in your mind? Well, I wouldn't say my, like my, my main awakening was just a few years ago. I'm 32 now. Um, but if I look at my first experiences with God, um, I can think I remember them, you know, reading Bible stories with my ma- my, my dad. Like we'd read the blue Bible stories. We're quite Adventist. <laughs> so we had Uncle all those. Uncle Arthur, yeah. Um, go- Arthur Maxwell. Yeah, Uncle Arthur. Yeah, going to uh, Sabbath school, um, you know, getting the stickers, memorizing the verses. I went to Pathfinders in Norway. I mean, I was, you know, we were heavily involved. My parents always put me through all those things. And, uh, you know, of course, I remember God and stuff like that. I think the the first like passionate God experience I had where there was like a week of prayer in Norway. And um, I just thought of this right now. I haven't thought about this in years, but I just remember praying that God would come again soon. Like just like there was like, they invited people up to the front, like, you know, come to the front and pray. And I think they were just playing music and stuff, but there was no real official end. And I guess I was like the last person, <laughs> like this little kid just like playing, like kneeling on the steps, you know, just like praying or whatever. And I just remember like, like pleading, I was like, God, oh, come again, please come again soon, come again soon. I don't know if that was because I don't think I was aware. Like, I don't have a lot of child, like a ton of like emotional, mental, like health, kind of like childhood memories of like trauma. Like I, I was a very blessed, uh, I had a very blessed upbringing. My parents are still together. They've always let us go on mission mm-hmm. trips. Um, you know, I, I never thought of myself of having a bad upbringing and looking back, I realized there was still a lot of dysfunction, but you know, back then I was, you know, maybe, maybe I was praying out of sincerity because if something was going on, I remember trying to like, like, you know, like, you know, getting the girls to like me or like, I wanted them to like, you know, in high school, just like, uh-huh. 
you know, I've listened to a lot of the other episodes, so I've been able to learn a lot of self-awareness from these episodes too. But I realized like looking back, um, you know, just wanting to get attention and needing, you know, I have ADD, so I, I guess I could tie it into there too, but just like needing attention, you know, just like doing, trying to fit in and be cool. You know, we moved several mm-hmm. times, like I've moved a bunch of times in my life. So I just never really fitting in, never really belonging. Belonging is another thing looking back that I've always wanted to belong, you know, because I was born in the U.S. and then I moved to Norway. So that was the American in Norway. And then we always visited my grandma. So I was like, and then I went to, you know, back to the United States for high school. So then I was like the Norwegian. I remember blaming like, they're like, hey, do you know what, who Blink-182 is? Or like, you know, talking about relationships and sex or something <laughs> like that. Like, dude, do you know what, you know what this term is? You know, referring to some sexual thing or whatever. I was like, I'm uh-huh. sorry, dude. Like, you know, like, do you know who, B, you know, Jay-Z is? I'm like, sorry, dude. Like, I grew up in Norway. Like, I had to blame it on all, because I wasn't cool, you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I probably know what it is. I just, it's, it's probably call it different in Norwegian, you know? Because uh, I wasn't cool, you know, so I, did, I had to I do and I remember even doing dumb stuff for for people in high school. Like I was the freshman that wanted to hang with the seniors and they had me at a conservative school, like walk out into the like the soccer field and meet like another girl from the girls dorm that had a movie that we wanted to watch. And so we would do like this, like uh, Pony Express situation. But I was the scapegoat <laughs> doing the risky business, you know, to uh, to they potentially get in trouble, you know, before freedom when you thought about wanting affirmation and wanting to be cool, did you see that as a negative thing or did you see that as, well, that's just life. That's what we do on the, in this planet. Like we just, we want people to think we're great. I think, it, I don't think I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. Like, honestly, I think I just, I think of like the word groping, like just like someone walking around, like, like groping and like, is that the right word? Like it just, like they're just feeling like around searching for, for something. Yeah. Yeah. Searching like, like in the dark, like you're just literally putting your hands and like, you're just trying to like, I think I was just completely ignorant of it. And I was just genuine. I'm, that's one thing that I've realized that all humanity has been blessed with. And for me too, like just being genuine and sincere. And I was a very sincere person. Like I remember going up to altar calls all the time. Um, you know, just, you know, just in my own little, you know, conscious or subconscious, just wanting something bigger and better um, you know, I was very spiritual person. I was always spiritual vice in school yet at the same time getting in trouble and stuff like that. You know, like, uh, I was, a, there was kind of like two fronts to me or whatever, but I don't think I looked back and said like, oh yeah, this is bad. Like I'm intentionally self-awareness didn't really happen. I mean, it happened some co- like this is funny self-awareness didn't happen like consciously until like mm-hmm. within the last five, 10 years. But it also happened subconsciously. Like I just didn't know that I was becoming self-aware about what my needs were and what my traumas were and, and what the dysfunction was, but I was just a sincere person. You know, I remember being like the, like I said, uh, spiritual vice in, in junior and senior year in high school, I was going on mission trips, uh, similar to your story, actually, like always having the right answer. Cause I was raised really conservative. And so, you know, I would be at the cafeteria at school, all these kids that came from public school, like, man, this food sucks. And I'd be like, come on guys, it's not that bad. You know, it's actually good for you though. Right. <laughs> Cause it was like this vegan <laughs> food. And it, so like, I would always be like def- de- defending and like, I was this good kid, you know, uh, people are, like I'm, I'm friendly, I'm charismatic. Like, uh, I easily make friends. Um, and you know, on the outside, people like me, they praise me. They're like, it's like, wow, your son is so good. Like, you know, he does these little preaches and, you know, and then after, after high school and during college, like I preached a ton, like I did ministry 
and all that in sincerity, you know, but there's this outward front, like, you know, being relatively well known in my circles and being successful and like kind of being at the top of the ministry hierarchy in Mm -hmm. my spheres, you know, having accomplished a lot, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, we'll get into it, but then everything comes crashing down later on. But I think looking back, um, the, the thing that maybe caused me to want the attention and to be looking in other mm-hmm. places was um, something called childhood emotional neglect. Now, um, my parents, they know they lo- <laughs> that I love them, you know, but uh, any sincere parent, you know, they always do their best and they sometimes go through their own things. And I'm very grateful for them. Had I had had my parents not decided to move from Norway over here, the the, the Christian culture in Norway is very secular. And so had I not had they not decided to move back here and put me in a in a better school, I would not be a Christian today, guaranteed. Like mm. I know friends that are like like a lot of my friends over there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, kids out of wedlock and they don't they don't they don't follow God because it's just such a loose environment over there. And uh, you know, I don't blame them, I don't judge them, but that's just you know that's not the life that I wanted. My parents wanted for me. But looking back, you know, I had everything I needed. I had the food. I mean, I grew up, my parents are vegan cooks. Like, they're just amazing. They did restaurant work. So I had, like, amazing healthy food, uh, like Bible stories. And I remember laying on my dad's chest. Like, I'd be like, one more story, one more story, you know? And just, like, I had the physical, the the, the spiritual, like, the, the, the room and shelter kind of a thing. Um, you know, great environments, great schools that we went to. They sacrificed. And, like, my dad, he's a carpenter. I mean, he's in pain now. He's, like, getting up there. And like he's sacrificed his body to put me in, in, in Christian schools. And so I'm so, so grateful for that. And I wouldn't be here. Like the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, like I went through the darkest time in the last few years. And because of their early training, like I'm back, uh, you know, that would not have happened. But uh, childhood emotional neglect is a little bit different in that it's not so much like what happened to you with traditional abuse. Like, you know, I was sexually abused or verbally abused or whatever. It's more of what mm-hmm. you didn't get. And um, and uh, one, one, the, the way to describe it is I had all the physical, the spiritual, the support that I needed. But unfortunately, I didn't connect very well emotionally with my family. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but, you know, I didn't I never been close to my brother. Um, and it just it's not been until recent years that my relationship with my parents, it never was bad. Like there was never yelling or shouting or screaming or anything like that. It just I didn't tell them anything. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm still looking into that today, you know, but I'm, I'm just not, you know, for the causes, but I just didn't tell them anything. And so very early on, you know, uh, as a good family, you know, there's, there's always consequences for doing bad things. And sometimes there were legit bad things. And sometimes, you know, me being ADD, just being a little bit all over the place and then kind of getting in trouble or having to apologize for like overwhelming a parent, um, you know, it's not healthy for a kid to have to take that responsibility to apologize for just being a kid. And so I learned very early on that telling the truth was not a good idea because when I get caught, I get punished, right? And I get, yeah. you know, whatever the punishment, we're not going to get into what the punishment was, but like you get punished and you just realize that there's negative consequences for doing X, Y, and Z. And there was not a lot of result. I had not a lot, not a lot of explanation of why. And my favorite, there was a book from the ABC that my grandma got me. It says, Michael asks why it was just like a book for kids about, you know, religion and God and stuff. And, uh, my middle name was Michael. So that my mom always joked about like, oh, that was, I was like, why, like, why, why, yeah. why? Like I always wanted an answer. I wanted to understand. And, uh, you know, I remember learning to put up a facade. I remember one time I went to my friend's, my friend's house 
we're not allowed to watch, you know, movies when we grew up, right? So I go to my friend's house and, you know, we play with Legos, we play in the sandbox, we play on the scooters, we go to the store, get some ice cream and uh, whatnot. And so my family would be like, hey, so what'd you guys do, you know, when I get home? And I would be like, so we, we did this and then this and then this and then this and then this. And then we had lunch and then we did this and then this and then this and then this. And I would learn how to paint this picture of how my day was such a full, rich day. Not to, so that they wouldn't ask about the two hours of James Bond that we watched, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, right. uh, Die Another Day, right? It was a great movie. But, uh, you know, you get the idea. So I just learned to put up this facade, like just, and I'd never consider myself a dishonest person, even, t- you know, even until several years ago, I didn't thought that I lied, you know, that I didn't have a struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get into like addiction and, and lying go hand in hand. But I never thought I was an honest person. Somebody dropped their wallet, I always give, you know, return it. Um, but I was very good at putting up a facade and and painting. I like to call it the prefaces and the suffixes of everything, like to make just tweak the information just enough to make sure that people knew that I was a good person. Um, and um, like I remember one time <laughs> I was in a relationship and uh, I was struggling in school <laughs> and I was I was uh, not doing homework and I was doing uh, I was watching YouTube instead because I would get discouraged, uh, distracted. And then I would watch like five hours of home of YouTube instead of doing homework. But then my girlfriend was getting off work. And so I knew she'd get off at work at six. And so I would literally like stop. I was like out of guilt, shame. And like, I have to have a good report at five (laughs) 45, stop watching YouTube or movies. Cause I, cause I mean, originally it was like a 10 minute video just to distract myself. But then I, then I would feel guilty and shame for that, which would then like lead to like, just like, forget it. And so I'd intentionally stop watching this videos at 5:45 watch youtube i mean do homework for another 15 minutes she would call shortly thereafter and then i would be then she'd be like hey babe how was your day you know and i was like oh you know babe like you know how it is like i've been struggling but you know like it wasn't the best day like it didn't go the way i wanted it but thank god like towards the end i was really able to push through like total baloney <laughs> <laughs> you know or like or like i would be like we would talk on the phone and i'd be like hey babe i need to go to bed and <laughs> And, uh, and it was true, like in my sincerity of heart, like I'm a person, I like to go to bed on time. Like I know the value of sleep. You like, did I'm trying need to, to like, go to bed. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to go to bed. Right. And so they're like, okay, so we pray together, you know, and then we, you know, whatever. And then so as soon as we hang up, like I get overwhelmed with these emotions. Like I'm just either discouraged or sad or overwhelmed or guilty for whatever throughout the day. Right. And so I immediately go to YouTube to escape. And then like, she forgets something 15 minutes later, she calls me back. <laughs> so I'm like, I freeze up, you know, that like when you're watching something as Jonathan, I got to act say, like I'm tired or just woke up or something. Yeah. Like I literally like, I get the phone call and I'm like, <gasps> and I like, I, I slam on the space bar, pause the video, close the window, shut the laptop, put it away, go into the bathroom and like pull out my toothbrush and start brushing my teeth. And I like, oh, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, how's it going? Like, I forgot something. What's up? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just getting ready for bed. Like, total. Like, it's not a lie because I was technically getting ready for bed. But like who the like I dared not. And these are just some like recent examples, like in the last five years that illustrate just kind of like this, this white lie kind of life. That, it's lawlessness, that, bro. Like and this it's lawlessness, right? It's not oh yeah, it's not a white lie, it's a lie. But but that 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 really illustrates how the real me can't get out. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about this in preparation for this. Like I was less afraid of like I knew God always forgave me. Like I couldn't like I was more concerned about 
people finding out than like the actual like bad part of the sin. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, if I screwed up, like, you know, we'll get into it, but like uh, watching pornography, like it was like, if I, if I, dang it, I slipped up. It's like now if I date somebody in the future, I'll, I'll only be able to say that I've been like six months clean. You know, like it was all about the report. Dude. It was all about the reputation. Like my greatest like fear in the back of my head is like these, like not mythical because they're real, but like the is future girlfriend or wife and future father-in-law like asking me questions like those are the people that I'm afraid of like when it comes to Bro. like finances and addiction and then when it comes to education and school because I don't have a college degree it was always like there's these certain people that I'm like I don't want to see them I don't want to talk to them because I'm afraid they're going to ask me or pressure me like you should be doing this you should be doing that and like like it was like this fear of the report I when I said lawlessness it's like we're talking about our heart's motivation we're talking about like when you get up to brush your teeth just so you can say you were brushing your teeth, but you know good and well you were not doing that. Or when your motivation is not, you know, that God God loves and is love and looking at pornography um, is completely against, you know, his nature and, and who he is. But I can't say that my motivation was, wasn't fear. My motivation was fear. My motivation was fear mm -hmm. of being not being able to tell my kids one day. My motivation was like, oh, you know, pregnancy. You know, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't even know. That. <laughs> I mean, I did know, but yeah, you're just still kid. freaked out about that. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the fear of, well, what would this mean about me? What would this mean about us? Like, would this destroy this thing? It's It was all motivated out of out of fear so like when i hear you say that i'm like yeah man uh the report that's crazy that's crazy let me ask you this so when you're preaching you you said you were what were you preaching about like at this like so, at this young age of your life like your late teens into your 20s i think i i think i went uh i preached once in high school or twice um but then after high school um god you know, I've actually fell away from the Lord a little bit uh, for like six months. But had I not signed up for AFCO, which is amazing facts, is like kind of four month Bible college. Um, you know, before I graduated, I was had I was so grateful I did because I like that summer I just went all out. Like I went to Norway. I you know I was hooking up not not hooking up hooking up because I stayed a virgin for a long time. But that's another story. But like you know, just like getting in with it, just like literally satisfying the need for attention that comfort we can get into that when we talk about pornography like just the need for comfort and stuff but anyways i fell away from the lord but i decided to go um to afco uh before i you know so the whole time i'm like you know i should probably like stop watching these movies and like stop you know uh you know listen to this music and stop fooling around because i gotta go to like bible college in like a couple months like and then it was like one month and then it was like three weeks and then it was like two weeks and i was like okay fine okay i got bible college like in january of was that 2009 i was like okay mm -hmm. i'm gonna just, i just cold turkey quit everything because i was like okay and I, when i went there god kind of used afco to be like a can opener just like it reignited my i was like you know what i do want to follow god i do want to you know i didn't i don't remember much i kind of knew all the doctrines you know anyway like that's the most important part right um mm -hmm. of the church and um and i was like and when I was there, what happened was, is that one of my friends that had been trying to get me to go recruiting 
to go coal portering. For those who don't know, it's like Christians go door to door and sell like Christian literature, like devotionals, Bible study books, you know, family books, cookbooks, et cetera. And um, ironically, I'm wearing that hoodie right now because I couldn't find my other one. Um, but um, the the I go canvassing that summer in 2009 and my, my walk with God was so simple that I literally said, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll get accepted. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I guess that's, I mean, that's, that's, it's simple, but I realize now it's like, that's a good thing. Like back then. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I went and it was a magical experience. It was powerful. I mean, I, for the first time I realized that it was like miracles. Like I would be at the door. The guy doesn't have money. I'm praying that he would have money. And like three times I told him to go look for money and he finally finds the money and he's able to buy this book because he wants to be the spiritual leader of his home. I mean, divine appointments were like atheists by great controversies. I mean, it was just like my faith was like skyrocketing, you know, hmm. and I said, I need this. And I was praying. I was like, should I do, should I go do theology uh, or what should I do, Lord? What should I do? I was like, I need, I want to serve God. I've always wanted to serve God. And this guy, you know, this, the, 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 one of the mentors approached me. He's like, Hey, have you ever thought about going to Souls West? It's the same Bible college um, Justin Koo went to. And mm-hmm. I was like, nope, because I heard that. I thought it was like ultra conservative, like turtleneck conservative. And uh, I was like, I ain't trying to do that, <laughs> you know. And so uh, I prayed about it. Lord led me there. And the reason I went was because I knew I needed more of that frontline ministry because it stimulated spiritual growth. I knew that if I went even to Weimar for my for theology, like you can just chill like after school, like just go into a regular college environment it wasn't what I needed. I needed to get to know me, God more. And I knew that that experience I had in the summer where you're like, you're kind of like out there, it's hot, there's rejection. Like you're kind of like in a, like an incubator for spiritual growth because it's not like you're sitting on the couch, you know, and there's right. worship every day. And so I, I decided to go and I felt God leading. And I remember being at a worship there uh, at, at the end of the summer, there was like a kind of like a concert, like a, at the end of the summer, kind of like a, a spiritual gathering like a conference. And I remember mm-hmm. getting up for an appeal to serve God full time. Like I wanted to, I wanted, like I've always given my life to God, but I was like, I dedicate my life to ministry. Like I want to help people. And so I went there. It was an amazing experience. I do not regret going. There's many things that I've had to unlearn, you know, cause I mean, every different bubble that we go to, there's different like things where they get things wrong. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But that was the time when I, I remember at the end of my souls West experience, the last day I'm, I'm literally sitting in my car having my time with God because I've already packed my room out. And the only thing left is like, we're going to go have worship at the main room, eat, and then everyone's going to start going home. Like, you know, just driving back to their, their, their respective homes. I'm sitting in the car and I'm staring out the window, kind of like in this, you know, meditative glaze, like praying and thinking and just kind of like nostalgia, like, wow, it's the last day. And it just hit me. And I was like, Oh, I'll say this right here. One of the reasons why I went was because I realized that I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know him personally. And so here I am like at the end of the summer, at the end of the two years, I'm sitting in my car and I'm praying and I, and I, and it just hits me. It's like, I found you. I found you. Like, like, like we kind of, we're kind of buddies. Like, I mean, I've not, I've like, I literally for like eight hours a day, like on the regular, like I'm praying, like asking God, like I remember t- a story about where all I could pray was like, Lord, like the only prayers that I knew was like, Lord, bless this food, bless the, you know, nurse and strengthen those who made it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the nurse and strengthen us, right. Those typical or like be with my, be with my family and help somebody to buy a book. Like that was the only way I knew how to pray for like going door to door. Like, 
Lord help, Lord bless this person, help them to buy a book. Like that was all. There's just like generic prayers, and I was like, and I was like, almost like I'm stretching my mind, like like how do I do this, you know? And I remember mm-hmm. at the end there, I was like, I found you. Like wow, like we're we're like wow, like I mm-hmm. I came to get to know you personally and experience God, and here like and 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 not just learn knowledge. And I was like, I found you. Like I. I kind of like talk to you a little bit here and there, like, Lord, I'm kind of struggling today or like little prayers that are a little bit more personal. And so I, looking back, I don't regret that at all. After that, after that, I, I actually got a job working for the central California conference. So in Fresno, California. So I worked there for five years, um, doing now leading these p- programs in the summer as well as preaching throughout the year. So to answer your question about preaching, um, it was about evangelism. And it was about training members how to pass out literature, like little glow tracks and, and whatnot, and to, you know, how to, how to be a witness in their everyday lives. Looking back, I know I was sincere, but my, my perspective was very shame-based. It was like, you know, we need to mm. do this. My understanding of the gospel is wrong, too. It's like, I had this thing. It's like, yo, Jesus is coming again soon. Hurry up. Be busy. Like, just let's do a lot of it, like machine gun. Like, we just need to, like, spread the gospel, man, because if not, Jesus can't come back, right? The gospel mm-hmm. must go to the whole world. And that's a part that I talked to you about earlier is just, like, that that lie about, like, you were like, yeah, I don't feel obligated to, to, to sow, to reap, you know, to water. Like, I just, you know, wherever God wants to use me, you know, like, I don't even feel obligated to do this podcast. I was, like, obligated. And in my head, like, even when I switched from door to door to Bible work, like I felt mm-hmm. guilty for not being at the doors all the time, like prepping for a Bible study. I felt guilty because I wasn't busy, you know, or like the idea of taking a, and they're always contacts. They're not friends, right? Taking a contact like out to lunch and just chopping it up about like the Lakers or whatever. Like that was like, that's, that's like ultra, ultra liberal, like, Hey, bro, let's grab a cup of coffee, bro, and talk about Jesus. Like, you know, like that that was like you felt bad about like my mind was like Pharisee of Pharisees. Like there's a certain way of doing it. I would literally walk into a church. I remember in high school, we went to a church and there was drums. I literally like, you know, guys, I feel convicted. Like I must stand outside. (laughs) Like, like, you know, like I would literally I would literally be like, I know. Right. And I would say, here I am like. At the church, at a church, and like somebody would wear a jewel, like this lady would wear like a necklace or earrings, and I would literally be like, not in church, like fasting and praying, but this, like to illustrate the sincerity of my prayers for her and her conversion. <laughs> like it was horror, was like a draining life, being my own police and being other people's police, dude. And so you know, preaching, like it was very sincere, it was powerful, and I know that I don't, re- I don't re- really regret anything other than i knew i like in my because like you can't change it like you can't look back and regret i just know that like i've learned so much more about who god is and i learned so much more about how to share my faith and like there is no obligation there's no quota and now my new phrase is like jesus coming soon like hurry up i know sorry no jesus coming soon slow down and do quality work like that's my new my new (laughs) slogan you know because you know there's no stress about it you know jesus you know in the great commission he tells us to go out and make disciples and all that stuff. And that is what we do, but it's what we do because of who we are, not what we do because we either need to get in or that we need to get right with God or that he needs to look. Like, his biddings are enablings. If he asks us to do something, then he's going to do it through us. 
Uh, yeah. It's not like he's like, do this thing that's super hard and I'm going to... No, if he's going to ask us, he's going to do it. So, um, man, it's it's interesting to hear where at first you don't want to go to this ultra... And I hate using this these terms, um, but just for ease, like an ultra conservative school or whatever. But then it sounds like you're coming out with this idea of God that like God is a ultra conservative Seventh Day Adventist. Like that's who God is. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, there's certain uh, ways of doing things, and and that's just how you do it. I mean, there's. There's uh, there's rules for everything, and uh, you know it's always like like the words should and must like are in my vocabulary on a regular basis. Like God's will is like it's kind of like this is a very extreme example. It never happened to me, but I was meeting with a therapist like several years ago when I first started my healing journey, and he was like, "Yo, God doesn't care where you go to eat." Like I was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, I, "He's like he doesn't care whether or not you eat at Chinese or Thai." Like just like decide. And I was like, what? Like, cause I have no, I had no sense of identity. My identity was in the rules was in like living a holy life was in uh, the acceptance and approval of other people putting up a facade. And he, and I was like, cause in my head, it's like, Lord, like, should I go to Thai today? Should I go to Chinese? Like, what if there's like a divine appointment? Like, I don't want to not go to the place you want me to go to. Like, it's very, uh, you know, just, it's kind of like Martin Luther, just like, just really just like tortured with like, and I didn't know it was torture and, you know, looking back and like having anxiety and, and stuff in the past, it was just like, now I understand why. Cause I was literally under this, I was not free. I was literally a slave to religion, but I didn't know any better. And I just want to share one thing kind of commenting on what we mentioned before is I read this book. Um, I forgot the name of it, but I, I read this book and it was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And it was so enlightening. It said, and this is like only like a year ago. So it's like God has been building up and he's like releasing me from this, what freedom is uh, and what slavery to religion and everything is. And in, in the book was saying that, that it says, do not worry, right? You know, cause the sparrows and the flowers, they have everything they need, et cetera. And he's like, don't worry. And what he said that was, is that's entrusting yourself to God's heavenly care. Hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go work. I got to go share the gospel. Like I got to go earn money because I want to be a husband one day. I want to be a dad one day. Like I got to get my act together. Like I got to go to school. I got to do this. I got half to this, half to that. Right. I was a slave hmm. to have tos. And my, my therapist one time, he's like, you know, uh, you need to stop sh uh, shooting on yourself. Right. Like you need to stop mm -hmm. like living in this have to and should environment. And so the book was saying like, not worrying is entrusting yourself do I trust God? Do I trust mm. him to take care of me and to guide me and whatnot? And then it goes on later in the chapter. It says, don't judge. And this is the huge thing that I struggle with, struggled with. And that is tr not judging is what happens when you do not entrust others to the care of God. Mm. And when I read that, I was like, whoa. And I looking back, I see a man, because this is the thing, like, being a police, like being like the, the, the standard police for yourself, like, Oh, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? You know, another thing that a friend told me one time, like within the last several years, like super healing was, you know, it's easy to get stressed trying to find peace, right? You know, you're anxious and you're like, Oh, there's a trigger. You're like, what is it? You know, I'm going to, what's the lie, Lord? What's the lie? Like, you know, we're just like, I got to get to the bottom of this, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes the God doesn't always reveal those lies. Like there's like there is a there is a cause, there is a trigger, there is a lie, there is something that's causing it. Like anxiety doesn't just come out of nowhere. But it's easy to get stressed trying to find peace. Like, Lord, I'm claiming this verse. Like, why am I like you're just frantically like, do not fear I'm with you, do not fear I'm with you, you know? And God brought this uh friend of mine to me and she said, Joel, when I'm anxious, I say, Lord, I'm anxious today. And I know you know I'm anxious. And I need to go to work here in about five minutes. And I would really like for this anxiety or this stress or whatever to go away. Um, But I trust that you're going to show me what I need to know when I need to know it and not a minute too late. So anyways, I'm going to go about my day. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, like, that's entrusting myself to God. And that was so like that, like there's things that people share with you that are impactful for the moment. And then there's things that share people share with you that like literally is like a tool you use on the regular. And I, God's going to give me what I need when I need it. I'm good. Right. And so that's been a huge thing. But when it comes to that judging thing, dude, like, Uh do I trust God? Do I trust the God of Richard? Like we're friends, we're becoming friends. And it's like, I was in a relationship one time we got an argument and um, I knew I was right which is, you know, that's not always correct thinking, right? But in this case, like, I, ha- I had been misunderstood, but I felt this need to mm-hmm. defend myself. And so right. she's like, I, I don't, let's, let's, let's wait until the next day. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, so tempted to defend myself and like, but no, you have to see. And God was like, just be quiet, you know, whatever. And so I was praying and I was so tempted to like text, you know, you want to text and you're like, there's silence and like mm-hmm. that. You're like, we don't want to talk right now, but you're like, Oh, I thought of something that's going to, you know, like you just want to text them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's like, yo, do you, tr- do you trust me? And it, the, the conclusion, the situation, the next morning, I could not have paid somebody or even written a script more on point where she was like, you know what? You're right. Like, like, you know, she basically like the Bible says, God, those who honor me, I will honor. Like, like. I could not have paid her to write a more like on point script of like exactly what I wanted for a response. Right. But God told me, he's like, do you trust the God and their name? Right. Like, do you trust the God of Richard? Like, Mm -hmm. do you like you trust me? Like I, you know how it is. God knows how to convict you. Like he knows how to let you know what's up, you know, but do you Mm -hmm. trust the God of the other person? Like, do you try like same thing with witnessing? It's like, who brings us to truth? It's a spirit spirits ultimately in charge and we're just vessels i think it's primarily for our you know like our testimonies can be a blessing to other people and the right word at the right time can be a blessing but it's not like god needs like it's not like it's my responsibility to witness and to change everybody and that that was the wrong thing it's like does joel now it's like i trust that god will bring me into into contact with those who need to be like i trust i don't have to judge anymore because number one i'm aware of who i am or who i was rather that's the better lingo right like of the things that I'm capable of. And now I'm also aware of like, you know, that, that God, God's got their back. Like if it's that important, if, if, okay, let's just say if wearing jewelry is that big of a deal and you cannot get into heaven, like in the end of days, like if somebody's wearing jewelry, I'm sure God's going to bring it up. It's not my job, bro. you know, like, bro, like this motive thing is the huge key because when you're living in the, you're shooting on yourself, shooting, shooting on yourself. Yeah, should I should do this? Your motivation is I hate it. You getting right, you doing it the yeah. right way, you taking care of it, you making sure that God isn't frowning on you, you making sure yeah you know, it isn't like Christ in you, the hope of glory. It isn't 
who does God want to speak to today through me? Mm-hmm. And so I, I talk with people all of the time, all of the time, but I'm not like really, really out here trying to talk to them. And I think that... Mm. See, I love that when you say that, like, it just brought like, I was like, oh, that's so relieving. Yeah, it just you know? like people just show up and my mind is, I have a one track mind and I see life through a very single eye. And it is through the Gospels. Like, I know who you are. And so yesterday, I was just, we were playing ball, and I start talking with this guy after ball, and we're talking about fixing my car. And then what just comes out is like, I know who you are, brother. And I wasn't, I was fine with just being like, because this guy, he's a, he's a really cool dude. He's a tough guy. and and But I can see right through him because I, I can just see who he is. And I was going to leave it at, I just know who you are. But the spirit was like making him ask questions. And then I was like, oh, okay. If you want me to go here, God, I'll go here. Because I, I mean, I, I'm not going to unroll the whole gospel in front of him right now. Um, but, you know, he just an opportunity here to tell a little bit about my story. And when I tell a little bit about my story, because I actually tell about, you know, I was this thing and I was <laughs> this thing. Like people are like, I don't even know you, dude. Why are you being so honest? Um, and it just happens. But it's not because I'm like, I'm going to bring this dude out and he's going to look at my bumper and I'm going to preach the gospel to him and he's going to be converted and he's going to see the love of God in his life. No, it's just like, yeah. Now, if I get convicted hard, like, yo, this person needs a word, then I'll then I'll say that to somebody. But it's not about me, right? It's not about mm-hmm. you getting right. You are right. Uh, he loves you. You are filled in him. And so you just operate. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And now it's wonderful because I like even before I found the gospel, um, just like, you know, this is only like three weeks old, like me being free, like finally getting it. Right. But before that, like I remember journaling and I called it like the naked, like who is the naked Joel? You know, not literally, obviously, mm-hmm. but like, you know, like before this and like I thought I wrote down like worst case scenarios, like alone in a cold cell everybody hates me. Right. Which is like the worst thing for me because I want everybody to like me. Right. So I just wrote down all these, like the worst case scenario, bad. And then just like nothing, like I don't have anything that I need or want. Right. Like how do people in prison, like sit there and like sing about God, you know, like, and God started showing me even before I started, before it clicked when I was in the Ukraine, like, like who's the naked Joel. And it's just like, I wrote down like, I'm loved. Like I am like identity was a huge thing for me. And, and like, God is just just like, and I, and I put it better in a better phrase. Like when I wake up, I don't have to have my devotions. I don't have to read the Bible to have a good day. Like, I don't like now, obviously there's a lot of truth in the Bible and the Bible is a blessing, but like I wake up and like nothing I can do can help me to have more connection with God than just like waking up and be like, I'm a son. Like, I li- mm. like, 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 yes, it can. In- like, this is how I think of it now. It's like before it was going from zero to 60 every morning. You know, it's like I start off in a deficit, you know? I mean, obviously sometimes we feel crappy, but like, like just in general, like morally we start off like in a deficit and it's like, I have to connect with God. And if I don't have that emotional mental, like click and epiphany and like, Oh, okay. That, wow, I got it. You know, like if I don't like intellectually connect with truth, then like I, I can't, you know, it's like I, I'm just set up to have a bad day. 
And now it's like, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me, right? Like I didn't do nothing. <laughs> like <laughs> I haven't done anything and I am complete. I am perfect. I am holy. I am just, I have pure intentions. I have the law written on my heart. I'm a son because I believe it, right? And not because I believe it, but because it's true and therefore I believe it, right? Yeah. And so now it's just so nice, like, you know, and, and it's just like the same thing with witnessing. It's been so nice in the last few weeks, just like, you know, like I'll be stressed. Like I was at, um, like actually, no, it was, it was online church on Friday. I invited like three or four people, you know, cause I, I'm like, I'm like Paul. I'm like these guys who literally just been converted. I'm like, I can't shut up about it. Like everybody I talk right, to, right, like right. I'm just talking to people about this gospel. Right. So I invited like four or five people and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like stressing, like messaging them last minute, like, Hey, just, you know, getting on here, you know, like that they have to come. <laughs> right. And, yeah, right. and it's just like, and thank God they all came. But then the whole time, like not the whole time, but the, the beginning of the time, like, I'm just like stressing, like, are they receiving this? Like, oh man, it's, oh, they're man. not talking as much about gospel. We're talking about the Bible, like, and how Jesus is the point of the Bible. I was hoping it was more like on, like, on, like being free. And I'm like, oh yeah. no, like they're going to like not like this and then not going to want to listen to the podcast later. And like my brain, and then, and I, and I actually right before, like this was happening before and a little bit after. And I, I remember just like journaling and praying like, Lord, what, what am I feeling? Like, what are the lies that I'm believing? And the promise that the truth that God brought me was like, Hey, I'm the Lord of the harvest. And I was like, all right, all right. Like I'm in charge of sowing. I'm in charge of reaping. I'm in charge of watering. Like, like you're just an instrument. And what, like, it's kind of like what you, the attitude you have, like, Hey, if they show up, that's cool. But like, I trust God's going to reach them anyway. Like I, I, I planted that seed of inviting them, you know, and there's nothing wrong with sending a, a reminder text, you know, but like, and if they come, it's like, and that's how you have somebody like listen to a sermon. Like their favorite part was like, God loves me. And then the other part was like, yeah, I need to give up these movies. And then the other part was like, part was like, oh yeah, I need to start exercising more. Like how do they all get those different conclusions from the same message? It's because the spirit's at work and God knows yeah, what yeah, they yeah. need. And we're just, you know, and so that, that even that obligation to share, it's like, Hey, you know, like today, Lord, bring me somebody. And you know, and like I just Man. so darn freeing, dude. It's amazing. When you go to sleep, if you go to sleep at 1030 at night and you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, they don't take off in the middle of the night at three or four in the morning. And then when you wake up, you don't have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have, you've not been sealed with the Holy Spirit and been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like you wake up a son just as you went to sleep a son. And it is not salvation or righteousness by devotionals. It is not. It is by faith. It's the, it's the relationship. Yes. It's the relationship between acts and like right standing or like guarantee of success or happiness in the day. You know, hmm. um, like I, same thing. I was like, I mean, it's it, right now it's like a little bit after six. Uh, I mean, it's like, what is that? Seven, seven thirty or something like that. My time. Mm -hmm. I woke up at six this morning. I normally wake up, but to like, you know, jump right into an interview, like you know, early in the morning, like I barely woke up. I was just trying to like get some stuff out of my eyes, you know, drink some water, mm -hmm. use the restroom, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, I did kneel down and I said, Lord, you know, like, you know, some of the lies in my head about performance anxiety. Like I got to make sure to have good solid points that'll inspire people. Like I want people to be impacted and you know, those lies and I just give them to you. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, don't worry what you're going to say. I'm going to the spirit. You know, I'm just going to be used by the spirit. You know, uh, you never know. Like the thing that I think, is powerful might not be powerful. Somebody might be inspired by what I'm saying right now. Like, I mean, I don't know, like it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is that like God 
And I was like, you know, I just, and it's not like, Lord, please, please come in. Like, I would always ask God, like my favorite prayer was like, come into my heart, come into my heart. Like that revelation, uh, chapter three, verse 20 verse, you know, and it's true. Jesus wants to come into our heart and for the unbeliever and for, you know, the, the person that's under the law, like, like, of course he wants to come in. But like, I already let him in. Like, why do I need to keep letting him in every day? Just because I because I, I feel disconnected, I need to ask him to come back into my heart. Like, what in the world, you know? Oh, yeah, he's he's in there. Waking up in the morning, though, it's so freeing because I've trusted, like, I can literally be stoked. Like, like, that, like that's the feeling. But like, mm-hmm. intellectually, I know, like, I am loved by God. God gets butterflies in his stomach thinking about me when I literally just woke up. And just in the last few weeks, like I've sometimes I've slept in. Sometimes I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to write this song. You know, and the other day I was like, you know, I'm going to read like I'm really curious. about. like I wake up. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch some of those uh, love reality videos, you know, or it's like, you know what? I'm going to go on a walk with my mom. Like like today I'm having a, you know, like uh, in um one of my favorite books is uh, Pilgrim's Progress. He says, let us convene in profitable discourse, right? So it's like, we're having a profitable discourse. We're, we're having a good conversation, right? So like that mm-hmm. is ministering, and, and it, but I don't need the ministering to have a good day. Like I already have God. I am a son. I am loved. I am cherished. I am, he's stoked about me. He sings and dances over me just like, dang, my, my boy Joel just woke up. You know, like I can't wait. Like this is so great, you know? And it's just like, that's how God is with us before I got on my knees, like before I even felt close to him, like that's how it is. And the, stepping into that reality is so freeing. That's what's up, dude. All right. Now we got to get into this thing. Uh, what happened after this? You're doing, you're working this conference. Um, you're, you're, you're the MAGA booking king. You got all of the chariz- charisma. I'm sure you sold a ton of books. And so they put you in this position. Um, what What's going on with you and your personal life? You know, a lot of this is looking back because I wasn't aware of this. But looking back, I see that everything was a spiritual thing. And we'll get into this in identity too. Like everything is a spiritual thing. When mm. I say spiritual, I mean like I didn't understand emotional, mental health, woundedness, brokenness, trauma, neglect. Like I don't understand any of that. And so if I did bad things, I'm a bad person. My favorite verse to explain like, why is it that we keep stumbling? Like, whether it was, you know, binging on TV or pornography or online chat rooms or whatever, like it, like it was, it was like Jeremiah 17, nine is like the go-to explanation. My heart is wicked wicked and and deceitful above all things who can know it. Like I'm a, like I'm defective. And the more, and, and, and the only way to know if I'm actually like quote being sanctified, because in my mind, justification was forgiveness. Like justification meant forgiveness. Now I understand it's way more, right? But now, uh, I mean, back then it was like forgiveness. Sanctification was the process of being, being made holy, right? The being mm-hmm. like, you know, that verse in Hebrews 10, it says mm-hmm. that, that we were, that, that in one sacrifice, he has made perfect those who are being sanctified. I've always seen it mm-hmm. as, I never looked at that verse, but the idea was through one sacrifice and then through sanctification, like he is sanctifying us to be, to make us holy, like to make us perfect. Like it, perfection is a result and it's always those debates, you know, like, shall we sin before he comes again? Like, you know, and it was always like, we believe like, no, yeah, we're going to be perfect. But it was always like a future event. Like, we're always going to be not sinning before he comes. Um, 
and there was always that debate. Those other people were like, no, nah, like, you know, we're going to be sinning all the way up until he comes again. And he's just going to magically change us, you know, in the twinkling of an eye. Right. And right. so my identity was really like, I, you know, the less I did, and we'll get into SAA later or Sexaholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. but like, you know, like it, before then even, it was like this counting. It was like, you know, how long have I gone? You know, and I did in sincerity reach out to mentors. I had mentors, but it was a lot of behavior modification. Uh, it was like what to do when you messed up, AKA forgiveness, right? Why you shouldn't do it. Like, Hey dude, you're a ministry, man. Like it was a lot of that. Like, this is not a good idea. Like there's nothing more important. The pure in heart shall see God, you know? <laughs> like, And I was like, damn, like I want to, I want to see God. Like, Lord, I got to get, I got to, I got to take action. It was kind of like, I remember them saying in sincerity, like there's nothing more important than you addressing this. And, and I think there, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. But, you know, it leads to restrictions, uh, you know, covenant eyes, which I think are all amazing, right? You know, the Bible says make no provision for the flesh. Like, so it's not dumb to to make restrictions and to limit access to uh, forbidden places, right? But for me, it was very, you know, and, and, and for a while, actually, uh, I actually went one year without doing anything and then another three years. So basically four years being clean, mm-hmm. it was always like, if I didn't do it, then I must, wow. Like it was kind of like, Lord, help me not to do it again. Lord, help me not to do it again. Like crossing mm-hmm. your fingers. It was like, I call it blind faith where mm-hmm. you're, you have no evidence for uh, like you gaining the victory. And I remember screwing up at the end of those four years. And I was like, Lord, what happened to the victory? Like I was four years clean. Like I thought I was good. Like, you know, like I didn't understand roots and like, you know, like I was addicted to TV the whole time. So like, I didn't understand like addiction can switch to something else. Right. And so it was like the less I did it, the more victorious I was. And the the evidence was whether or not I've done it or not, you know? And so I made four years. I was like, dang, like I must, you know, God has like released me from this. So you, you had a lot of good strategies that were helpful. So that stuff was working, but when it didn't work, you would go pretty low then. I'll tell you a story about this is like one of my, it was a huge pivotal moment. Um, and I have it in my journal. I could read it, but I'll just summarize it. Like, so I'm driving, I have to preach on Sabbath morning, right? I live in Fresno. I have to drive to the coast and you know, I had no control of my emotions, you know, like I just knew that, you know, like I was just like overwhelmed or whatever, angry, sad, mad, hungry, you know, whatever, hangry. And so I'm like going online, trying to find girls to chat with, you know, like cyber sex or whatever you call it. Right. And, uh-huh. um, and, and so I'm, I'm doing this and it's Friday afternoon, you know, I'm skipping out on pre- prepping for my sermon. I'm skipping out on doing laundry. And the only reason I quit, like I stop, like, dang it, I got to shut my laptop is because I have to leave because I'm staying at a church member's house in this city. And hmm. Like I need to leave so I can get there. Like that's the only reason I stop, right? So I'm I'm like now full of get, you know because when you when you're in the search when you're in the in the, in the actions like it's an escape and you're not really thinking about like whenever you feel guilty you just jump right back into it to escape. And so now I'm like driving three hours, and at this time I was in community college and and whatnot. And so I'm driving and I just start like I just it starts surfacing this like this is a passionate story. Like I was, it's surfacing and like this, this, like I get mad. 
I get angry, I get sad, like all at the same time. And I'm just like, I start cussing, like, what the F, Lord? Like, this is so stupid. Like, why can't I get over this? Like, I am, and like, I'll just summarize, like, and it's like a mixture of like being like furious. Like, why, like, why can't I just do whatever I want? Like, why am I slave to this? Like, it's like on both sides of the spectrum. Like, why can't I stop? Why can't I just do like, and I was honest with God for the first time. I was like, there was this girl in my class at community college. I was like, all I want to do right now, like, I don't want to preach. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to do anything. All I want to do and all I want to do is turn around and drive to the town that I knew she lived in and like meet up with her and have sex. Mm-hmm. Like I literally told it straight. And I was like, but then, and then I would pause. I would be like these, these rants. And then I would pause like, Lord, help me. What am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like I would pray. <laughs> and then I would go back to the rant and I would be like, cause I was being honest. I was like, all I want to do is this. And I was like, why can't I do this? And like this frustration of like this performance, like, and I then I would put, like I would like, cuss at God and I'm like Lord please forgive me like what am I doing like am I leaving you like you know like I because I just you know I'd never been honest like that before and so I'm going back and forth and I'm just like and the frustration comes out and I text my buddy and I said dude call me ASAP it's an emergency <laughs> and I thank mm-hmm. God for him but like the, the conclusion of the story is like I remember like being like Lord like I just want to like this stupid accountability software, which is, you know, cause when, you know what you can do, you can block websites, but you can also, you can also, how do you say it? You can get a, your accountability partner gets a a report, like an email report of all the websites and it flags has software that detects sketchy sites or words or images on these sites. Right. So like, Lord, I am tired. Like, why can't I just do whatever I want? Like if I'm not going to do this, like I'm tired of not, or trying not to sin because some stupid accountability, because I'm in ministry, because I got to preach the next morning. Like, like I want pure motives. Like I want to not sin because I love you because I, I, cause I don't want to sin. And I'm just like crying out to God and I'm just like cussing. And I'm just like, I've never cussed at God before. And I was like, you know, just going back and forth and just spelling out in detail what I wanted to do, how I wanted to act out. And I was like, why? Like the stupid accountability. Like, why the heck is that my motivation? Like, this is just so sickening. Like, I'm a, this is not who I am. Like, I want to go do this. But like, why, why do I, why do I have to restrain like who I am? Because like, I have to preach tomorrow because I have a reputation to keep up, you know? And I called my friend and he talked to me and I shared this whole thing with him. Like I literally cussed him. I never cussed him. He didn't know I even knew the words, right? Like we're like relatively conservative, you know? And like, and the way he responded taught me a lot about God. He was just like, okay, like, thanks for sharing, dude. Like, and then he broke down like the simplified gospel to me in a, in a way. And it, it wasn't the complete gospel, but what it was what I needed yeah. to know. And he's like, cause I've always known that God forgave me. Like, I'm good. Like, I know that if I mess up, like he forgives me, but it was the pressure of performance after forgiveness. I was like, dang, I, don't, I remember one time I was like, I don't even want to ask for forgiveness. Like why? Because I'm just going to screw up anyway. Like either today or tomorrow or next week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like why even ask for forgiveness if I'm actually going to fall back into it? And he's just like, Joel, of course God forgives you. But I want to tell you something is that like God loves you in the midst of your sin. Like you could literally be doing the most vile act and right there he loves you no more or no less than if you're preaching evangelistic series or like think about whatever the most holy thing you could be doing right mm-hmm. and i was like really and I, it didn't click all of a sudden but like he's planting these seeds 
and it, and it, and then another thing he said, he's like, Joel, and the change is not your responsibility. And I was like, what? Mm. And he's like, the change is not your, he's like, he just says, abide with me. And it's kind of like, if you spend time in the sun, you know, I'm a white dude, like you're going to get sunburned, right? Like there's natural mm-hmm. intrinsic like changes that happen to you. You know, if you watch a lot of TV, like in the times in my life when I cussed, it was because I was watching a lot of TV, right? As soon as I stopped watching TV, I stopped cussing. It's not like a rocket science, Lord, please deliver me from cussing. It's like, stop watching TV. Like, it's not a big deal. In the same way, like he's like, the, the change is not your response. Don't worry about it. It's not your responsibility. Spent, like all he says is like, ask for forgiveness. And then afterwards, like spend time with him and just hang out like, and if he wants to change you, he's going to change you. And if he doesn't want to change you, like it, it's like, like this idea of you like basketball. I'm not a basketball person, but like the idea of putting the ball in God's court, like when something comes and just like, Lord, okay. The, the play is I get the ball, I fake it. And then you're open. And the play is I give it to Richard, or in this case, I mm-hmm. give the ball to God and it's his job to score. I don't have to worry about it. In other words, and I, at that moment, I think it obviously went back and forth and it deepened, but like, I just realized like, yo, I'm going to give this to God. And if he wants to change, it's kind of like this, like giving up slash like surrender slash whatever slash freedom from mm-hmm. like this pressure. And it's still, the pressure was still there afterwards. Like, it, you know, it's growing in freedom, but it's just like the change is not my responsibility. And if, if I just spend time with him, if he wants to change me and if I go to hell because he didn't change me, like that's not my responsibility. Like it was kind of freeing in the moment. And that was a huge milestone in my healing. There was much more to be done, but that was, that was like, I thank God for my friend who showed me the gospel at that time. Bro. The truth is you actually did not want to go back to that town and do that thing. Even though you thought you did, that actually was not you. If that was you, then why would you be even having that conversation with God? The true you, the old me, when I would understand, knew, uh, the true you did not want to do that. That's why there's a struggle. That's why, like, but I didn't know I had like, a true. God, give me a pure heart. You ha- the the evidence of you in this tumultuous thing is the evidence that He has given you a new heart. Because if you had that mm-hmm. old heart that was just wicked and deceitful, you just flip that thing around and go back to that town. What what you didn't know was that that wasn't you. You thought it was you, but it was what was on you. It was the flesh. It was the desires of the flesh um, because it had not been. And this is so, it's kind of hard to understand because when Paul is describing this, he's describing someone who does not have the Holy Spirit ordering the flesh or ordering their desires. Because in Galatians 5.16, it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. And he preaches it very plain in Romans 7 and Galatians 5 and Galatians 3 and all these different places where you are not your flesh. Your flesh is on you, and you're living in that tent, but you are actually you. You're in the Spirit. You're you is the thing that didn't want to do the thing. And but you didn't know that so you're you're arguing with your flesh thinking that you're arguing with who you naturally are. And 
so much of the time we end up doing the thing that we don't want to do when, when we don't have this understanding because we believe this is who I am. And a buddy of mine was driving, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but he's driving to a place to do something stupid outside of his marriage. And the Holy Spirit's going like, nah, bro, that ain't you. Don't do it. And in order for him to keep on going, he's he just believed, no, this is who I am. I am your favorite first, wicked and deceitful amongst all. Who can who can know me? Like this is who I am. And so if we don't divide these things, then we really think that like before you were having those feelings, and let's just use the term flooded, before you were flooded with the emotions and the feelings that you wanted to go and, and hook up with this girl. You were driving on your way to, to church to preach and you wanted to. And then if you would have gone to that town and done that thing with that girl afterwards, you'd have been like, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? So before and after you would have been mortified. And so that's that's the actual you. Mm. But when you're flooded with emotion from the flesh, when you're flooded from emotion from this thing you think that it's you but it isn't you it is no, sin that dwells yeah go ahead that, that that's so that's so powerful and that, that there's a separation there between your desires and you know i call it the moment like a moment or like mental sobriety like because if you think about mm-hmm. it like right now like we're happy and you know we're, we're we're talking about god like of course i don't want to do all those things and i noticed also that like before and after it's like dang it i don't i I wish i didn't do this and i don't want to do this right but only Mm -hmm. only in the moment do i actually want to do or i think i want to do it right and uh this idea of this idea of freedom god started teaching me about freedom several years ago and freedom is i was like i just want to do what i want and god told me freedom is not doing what you want because then you're a slave to desire like or slave to the flesh right like eating a full bag of potato chips or like going out and like binging on alcohol or, you know, pornography or whatever. Like you might think you want Can I push back it, a but second then though? it's not. Yeah. Freedom actually is doing what you want, but it's doing what you no. actually want, not the flesh. So yeah, 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 like freedom to sin. And I put this in a tweet the other day and I, I think a couple of people were like, what does that even mean? Freedom does not mean freedom to sin because that would be like freeing a fish from the ocean or or freeing a bird from the sky like freedom mm-hmm. is walking in the purpose that you've always had and mm-hmm. from the beginning of time your purpose was very simple to be united with your father and he's bringing his people back to himself he put them on eagle eagle's wings and brought them back to himself when they left egypt and you he has reconciled you back to him through Jesus Christ. So your purpose and who you are has always been united with your father. And now that has happened through Jesus Christ. So is freedom doing what you want? Absolutely. And because you've always had this sincere heart, like you get to walk in who you actually are. The Joelist Joel that is Joel is a righteous Joel that is walking in the works that God has set aside for him to do and only him to do. It isn't the Joel that's looking at something stupid or acting out. Like when you're doing those things, you are not being yourself. 
And we have to switch this mentality because if we're acting out and we're like, well, this is just me, that's a lie from the pits of hell, from the enemy of your soul who wants you to believe that that's you. But who you've always been is this guy who was with God, united with God, and then born into sin, but now reconciled through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? I just wanted to push back because Uh, this is who you are, my man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that what I was sharing was more like what I would like my journey of understanding that. Now I totally agree with you. And I think a kicker and a, and and like a turning point for that was when I was joining. This is where I recognize you from. You were hosting the Love Reality in 2020. And I joined in for a few meetings and mm-hmm. um, the online one. And one of the things that they said is that when Moses went to Pharaoh and God said, go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my son Israel go. In other words, they were in bondage, but they were still a son. And mm. then when he was, then they were when they were released, they were still a son. Now the only difference is that they they were freed sons. And so I think of it like that: like, yeah, we used to have the like you know Adam cursed us with the nature that that gives us a tendency to sin and also the punishment of death, etc. But when we've always been sons, we've always been holy, and we've always been you know uh, Adam you know, cursed us with a commonness to sin. Like yes. we were born into slavery of sin. Nature would be that we were naturally created for something. It's natural. We were like sin was not created. It's a lie. It's a no thing, right? Yeah. Like God, the enemy can't create things like that. And God wasn't up in heaven cooking up sin. So because we were born without righteousness, now sin became common to us. So the problem mm-hmm. when you and I were born was not that we were born with a natural tendency to do this. It's because we were born without righteousness guiding our desires. And because we didn't have righteousness mm-hmm. guiding our desires, then our desires were untethered and we were just running around and it was like, well, this feels good. But in the end was death, right? And so absolutely, like sin isn't natural to us. It is common to us if we're not in the spirit, if we don't have righteousness, but now guess what? Like we have righteousness. And so this woman the other day was just like, well, I sin every day. Like I, I sin, and I was like, you sin every day. I'm like, sister, like what, what is going on in your life? You need to tell me about this. Like, let's confess this thing out. And she had no idea what sin was, what, what sin she was participating in. Cause she, she doesn't sin every day. And, and this is wild to think about this. When you're in the spirit, it would be weirder for you to go a day s- sinning than a day without sinning. But we think about our, like what we think about and all of this stuff. But if you're walking in this, like first John, he, he goes hard. He's like, if you're continuing in sin it, while knowing this, like if you read first John chapter three, this is sobering. Like you're not supposed to continue in sin. Once you've been filled in Christ, like this is not natural to us. It's not created for us. What was natural, what was created for us was our unity with our father, right? That's what we was created in us, but was lost, but now found. No, I like that. that. And and what you said there about, yeah, what you said about being like, when you said supposed to. Like the, the old me, like literally got triggered for a second because that stuff would like bother me. Like when you like, and then, and then I, I read that as like, oh, 
oh, okay, so like I need to abide with Christ then. And then like, or like I need supposed to the, and then I would like find ways of finding ways of like fulfilling that, you know, I'd read something. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a call command for me to do something. Whereas now the switch, I don't know if you want to get into this, but there's more to the other part of the story. But basically now, you know, I realized that that the old Joel died and I can proclaim myself free, which is beautiful. But we get questions all the time. And so we have compiled uh, many of our frequently asked questions and answers into an interactive study that you can find at youarefreefromsin.com. The interactive study, we have the questions and we break down the answers. So if you're hearing these theological concepts through these stories in this this podcast and you want to know more, hit up youarefreefromsin.com to get some clarity. I hope you check it out. Okay, so so what happens next, man? You're you're struggling, but you've got strategies, and there's some success and some failure. What what happens next? Yeah, so I was clean for about three three four years, and uh, I end up getting into a, a serious relationship, and I'm very grateful for this relationship. In the beginning, this is where God is like starting to teach me about uh, like roots and fruits. Like Jeremiah seventeen, I was my go to verse. Like I'm wicked and deceitful. But then um, I learned through this ministry that we did together uh, through Paul Conniff, the hidden half of the gospel, started reading this book about, mm. you know, brokenness and healing. And I realized that in Psalms 109, it talks about Paul. I mean, uh, Paul, uh, David says, my heart, like, Lord, please help me. My heart is we- weak and wounded within me. So I, I, I started learning about the, the wounded heart and how, yeah, we have a tendency to sin or we've been acquainted with sin, like you said, but it's really, it's not like because I'm a, if I sin a lot, it's not because I'm like a bad person. It's because the wounded heart fuels the wicked heart, right? That, hmm. that natural tendency, that flesh. And so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like, like it, it start, God was starting to separate that identity of like, oh, if I sin a lot, I'm a really bad person. Like I must be really jacked up compared to other people. Right now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow. Like some people get a really bad hand in life, you know? And I started to understand like, oh, you know, I thought, therapy and stuff were for people who are like, you know, divorce and stuff. You know, I have all my family still together and we're doing great. And so anyways, there's a lot of dysfunction in this relationship. A lot I can contribute. To, I mean, I for sure say it was my fault. Like God is at the end of the relationship. It was kind of like, like, you're not the same person that you were when I dated, when I started dating. And I was like, dang, I, I see myself. Like I, I'm equally as surprised as you. <laughs> like, it's not like I was intentionally yeah. lying. Like God was starting to break down this facade of performance. This, this goody, goody, goody boy, like Joel, like who is successful and, and like holy and, you know, preacher dude and whatever. And I start questioning God. I start questioning the Bible. I start questioning my faith. Like I, you know, through this relationship, I went, you know, not because of the relationship, there was many factors. I was in school and I was failing. I was diagnosed with ADD at this time in my thirties and, you know, all these different things living at home, which wasn't good for, for, because I was in school, it was going to save money. But, um, you know, I'm not going to get into all those things, but the point is this, like I was deteriorating and that was a huge contributor to why the relationship didn't work out. Like I was deteriorating. I was the real Joel was coming out and I didn't know it. 
And unfortunately, the only reason I found out is because it conflicts with the other person, right? And I, and I'm, I'm grateful for the reconciliation and the forgiveness and the understanding that we've had even after breaking up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful for like both of us, you know, walking in the spirit to the best of our ability and like get, getting healing. And, you know, it's, I'm just really grateful for that. But going back, I basically end up, um, going online for the first time in like almost five years now and checking out cause I was having a really bad day and uh, mm-hmm. they had gone off on a trip and, and I was like lonely, discouraged, sad, you know, whatever. And I go online and that was, you know, there, there was many factors of why we, you know, we obviously didn't, the relationship didn't work out and I was a huge component, but one of them was that I basically uh, online or, or cyber cheated, you know, mm-hmm. I went to someone else instead of to God, I, I obviously cheated on God first. And I didn't see it as cheating at the time because I was like, yo, like this is a one slip up in like four or five years. Like this is like, this is great. <laughs> you know, it's not great, but it's mm-hmm. like not that big of a deal. But later on through repentance and through the spirit, like obviously I, uh, you know, I've recognized that that was straight up cheating. I mean, the Bible says mm-hmm. like, if you look at someone else, like you're committing adultery, like you're, you're going to something else than to the person that you've committed yourself to in that moment. And, uh, that was definitely a huge, like I hurt her so, so, so much. And I didn't realize it at the time I was oblivious, but, uh, you know, long story short, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's, there's dysfunction in the relationship. I hurt her, you know, her brokenness and and, and things that she was going through. She can't support me when I'm going through my stuff. Like two, two, two crippled people can't hold each other up, you know? And I thank God for the healing that that He has brought with her and for with me individually and t- together. We're friends to this day, but like it was like a wake up call. And so we're not together. I'm I start going to therapy for the first time in my life again. I I was like I don't need therapy. Like I had mentors tell me in college and in my professional career, like wow, Joel, like like think of your friend so and so and your friend so and so. Like they used to be on the streets. Like they used to deal, deal drugs or like. They used they like that so and so has been through trauma. They were abused when they were a kid. Like your family's still together. Like your brethren, you know, you're both missionary minded. Like, and so I had this idea. Like I was not only like self righteous because I was keeping all the rules except for like in the secret, and I was so successful in ministry. But people were telling me like, "Wow, you're so blessed, man. Be grateful that you have a good life." And so I had no idea that I was broken. Like I had no idea. It was like it was a scary revelation and. And because, you know, this relationship kind of helped reveal that, like God used this and, and hadn't it been for this, like, it's a very trying time looking back and the hurt that I put other people through is just devastating. But, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back, I'm grateful because God used that as like a can opener to open my eyes to see the deeper dysfunction in my life. Like I didn't know that I didn't have a close relationship with my family. I knew on the surface, but I didn't know that I was afraid of God that like I thought he was out to get me. Like I didn't know that I just like the the Bible was true and that God was real was like assumptions that I just always assumed that I never questioned it for myself, you know? So uh, I went into depression, anxiety, um, ended up having open heart surgery uh, last year. Um, You know, I was kind of getting better. When was the essay portion of this? So um, about a year ago, you know, I'm going to therapy, I'm getting healed. And actually I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back and explain, remind me about the essay thing. Um, you know, looking back, it was kind of like that. I remember I told you about the blind faith. It was like, it was like the only way to know if you hadn't sinned 
you know, if you gain the victory was like how long you've been. So it's like, okay, okay, this is the last time, Lord, crossing your fingers, like, okay, okay. All right. This is the last time. Like, I just believe by faith that I am healed. Like the, you know, pool of Bethesda, you know, it's like, I believe I'm healed. Right. And, mm -hmm. and now God has taken me on this journey of healing that like mm -hmm. you can actually do things. And so when I, during my depression, like the two years of depression and anxiety and, and addiction, like now it's like, okay, I'm going to therapy. I'm, I'm dig, I'm just doubling down on my friendships, quality friendships. I'm like going on hikes, like COVID happened. Like I'm not, you know, we're not going to church. So like we're out and doing, you know, church and the church in nature. Like we're like out and doing things like basically they call it recovery, you know, mm -hmm. and you can, you can have recovery, but not be sober. If that makes sense. Like you could still act out, but be in recovery because you're actually healing you're actually mm -hmm. the broken parts you are healing. Cause I learned the broken parts is what fuels the, the, the wicked part. Right. So, and so I, now it's like, wow, like every time I mess up my, my understanding of God and his forgiveness, like I guess you call it the bounce back is much faster than before. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I start realizing, you know what? God is the one that's giving me the wisdom and strength to execute by going to therapy by, by, I went to a, a 20 day uh, outpatient thing mm -hmm. is called beautiful minds and and i highly recommend it for those uh, who are struggling with depression anxiety addiction whatever um where you do like group therapy for for three hours a day i went for 20 days and it was i got i learned tools on like how to think and how my brain works and how triggers work and how to reframe you know lies that are happening in your life in your mind and mm -hmm. so i'm like now i have confidence and it, i think it was a good thing like looking back like there's some lies in it but it, it was a good thing because now it's like when I mess up, it's like God kept on telling me, it's like, you're putting in the work, like, like healing is happening. Don't worry about the bad fruit. Like, mm -hmm. and it kind of reminds me of the story of Jesus, like where they walk up to this fig tree, it's not bearing fruit. And, you know, they're discussing like, Hey, should we like curse it, burn it down? Like, you know, cut it down. And Jesus, like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's give it three years. Let, let's dig around. Let's have somebody dig around it. Let's have the gardener dig around it. Like, you know, irrigate the soil, like water it, you know, nourish it, compost it. Right. And let's just see if it'll bear fruit. And that that philosophy God taught me. He's like, hey, let me give you some TLC, some tender love and care. You know, like I'm gonna give you friendships that are gonna heal you. And and I realize, like, you know, I I want to feel belonging. I want that. Those are root issues deep down inside my heart, right? And so through friendships and through like people loving me no matter what and like being there for me when I was like literally questioning everything and going through the worst things in my life, having friends that I could go to for support in the hardest times in my life. Uh, you know, even suicidal at some points, right? Is God is now showing me like, hey, before it was like, oh, I hope by faith that this is the last time. And then if it happens again, it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. That, okay, it must be the next time. Like, okay, this time, like I'm gonna have faith enough. Now it's moving to, I'm putting in the work and not like in a self-righteous way, but like God is helping me. He, like he is healing me through these different natural things. And obviously we believe like eating right, going to bed, exercising, all that helps support the mind to have a clear mind to, to make right choices. Right. You know, being mm -hmm. lazy, not having, not having like sitting around watching television. It's like not good for your frontal lobe. Right. You know, having goals, having purposes, having a direction, futility, like not having purpose and direction is a huge factor in addiction. So solving all those healing those roots those malnourished roots because mm -hmm. the goal is not sexual abstinence the goal is sexual wholeness or whole person wholeness and so god was teaching me about like a whole person healing it's not just about stopping watching pornography or stop masturbating it's about 
having wholeness as a person. And I feel like that was an amazing, beautiful phase. But even at the end of that, like I'd still mess up. I think I made it like four months one time and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm good. Like, no, it was like five months. I was like, yeah, wow. Like, like I've been putting in the work, like God is blessing me. Like he's healing me from the inside out, like taking away my desire because like the, like a broken body will crave fixing and escape. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, that takes us now up to this, la- this last January, you know, where, where I, you know, after about five months, there was a slip up and, and then anyways, and then it takes us to our story in Ukraine. You did want me to remind you about SA. What, how, oh, yeah, how yeah, did yeah. that so factor for, in? So I go to SAA. So uh, I go to my therapist. How long and, ago was uh, that? I bl- uh, year, that when I started going to uh, SA. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I've been there for about a year. Right. And okay. so uh, Why did I was you decide going to, to a go? therapist. I switched therapist. My therapist recommended it. Um, like I just couldn't control myself. I would like literally, and it, and for me, it wasn't like we mentioned pornography is like the go-to like, you know, symbol of sex addiction. There's so many different ways. Like there, there's some programs called sex and love addiction, uh, SALA and, uh, and there's sex, sexaholics anonymous and, and different, different things. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, for me, like it was, it was like people, like I craved connection. I craved you know, everyone has different things. And one book that really helped me a lot was uh, the book Unwanted by uh, Jerry Springer, I think it's called. Wait, did I say Jerry Springer? Is Jay, Jay Springer, I think okay. it's called. <laughs> I don't think it's Jerry Springer a different, wrote a different anything. person. Not, not, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> you 90s kids know Jerry Springer wouldn't do that. And so my therapist recommends that I go to SA because I'm I'm like, you know, hitting up people that I know and like, let's hang out, you know, and, and it ends up, you know, in a sexual or you know base one two or three or you know like it ends up in a non platonic situation right just because i'm feeling bad and i noticed with my addiction is that why would i want to do this like even though it feels good like i only do this like even with my tv addiction like what like i only binge on tv when i'm having a bad day like it can't be good (laughs) you know like the only Mm -hmm. motivation like when i'm think when i'm soberly minded when i'm happy like I, i have other things to do right so she she tells me to go to SA and I try it on and off. You know, I went to like the suburb recovery and like I tried different things and and eventually I I stuck with the local program, uh, Sexaholics Anonymous, and it was exactly what I needed at the time. Like even though I realize now that some of their philosophies are a little off. Um, number one, their their philosophy about like they they don't spell out who God is, but they do recommend that you talk to a higher power or the God of your understanding, they call it. And, it, and, and in my experience, at one point, I, I didn't like God. I was like, Lord, I was like, I've, my bad. I don't even call you Lord. I was like, and I just started praying to truth for a little bit. Cause like, I just want what's right. Like I want, I want to have a good life. And I was just like talking these desires out into the universe. And so that, that idea of that, like I could like grow in my understanding of who God is was powerful for me because yeah. I, I grew up in a culture where it's like, this is who God is. We're seventh day Adventist this is the only way of looking at it. You have to dress this way. You have to, you know, so this very like must and should, and there's like this moral standard, even on like, you know, don't eat vinegar, you know, like it's bad for you, you know, or whatever, you know, like just these like random things. Right. And so having that freedom to explore God in my own understanding was beautiful. So that was number one. And number two, they taught me, how God relates to sin. And I was like, and I, and looking back, I realized that we in the church love to worship sin. 
we worship sin. We make such a big deal, especially somebody who's struggling with shame and guilt and we don't understand the gospel. It's like the biggest deal when we sin. And to say, like at one point I, God taught me, he's like, Joel, stop trying to be sin, like not sin. I just gave up. I was like, yo, I'm going to stop trying to not sin. I'm going to stop trying to be good. And I would literally just pray, Lord, I'm driving home from work right now and I feel like crap. And I know I'm going to go home and watch TV, which is going to be boring eventually. And then that's going to probably eventually end up with me going online or doing something stupid, uh, you know, sexually. And I really don't want to do it right now because I'm thinking straight, but I just know myself. And, you know, would you please join me? <laughs> like, I, like, I was like, I'm going to stop trying. I was like, Laura, would you like, if you can help me stop doing it, that's great. But if not, like, would you join me? And so God watched tons of movies with me. Like, you know, like, like just totally like, you know, I just started learning that God is with you no matter what, you know? And so going back to the SAA, he taught me, they, they taught me how God responds. Like, like literally like they, the, the way it works is for those who don't know, SAA is like 12 steps and you work these 12 steps. So like, it's actually kind of like therapy, but like you work with your sponsor, which is like a mentor or an accountability partner. And in the meetings, you have like either like a, re- a reading from like literature related to recovery and addiction, or you have a testimony. And at the end of that, everyone kind of does a little share, like what they learned or like related to sex addiction or in AA, it's alcoholics, uh, you know, alcohol or, or narcotics and stuff. And so we share and, and people share like, you know, a check-in, how they're doing, if they screwed up this last week, they relapsed or what they thought about the thing. And they're sharing stories of like what they did back in the day. I mean the most vile thing you could ever think about. And like, I even shared a thing one time that was like my most hidden secret. I was like, I just need to share this. I need to get it off my chest. And they literally like, thank you. Thanks for sharing. We're glad you're here. Uh, anybody else want to share? Like, And I was mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> like, and then I noticed it happened with other people. They're sharing like, there's just, it's just like this, there's just this huge burden. Like you want to share this. And it's like, you don't dare share it, but you know, fear of rejection and shame. And, and, and then like, and it's like, thanks for sharing. Next. <laughs> like, and I remember going to this beautiful minds thing and I, I'm literally having to do this diagnosis thing, right? Where, where I'm, I'm like, I, I go to this 20 day, you know, in outpatient thing, right? So they're doing like a diet for the ADD, for the depression, for the anxiety. They ask like a hundred questions. It's like a medical, you know, interview to help them understand really what's going on with you. And they also did that for my sexual addiction. And they literally, like, and this person, like the nurse that's asking me these questions, like, I, I know them for some reason, like, I was like, all right, screw this. Like, here we go. <laughs> like, how often? When was the last time? Like, what are your fantasies? Like, and I was like, dang. And so I'm sharing these things for this, like, medical assessment. And she's like, all right, cool. Anyways, uh, your appointment's next week. And like, I, and I was like, I, in that moment, I said, Lord, how how can the church be like a medical clinic? <laughs> by like a psychiatry clinic like how why can't like why why can't the church be like SAA you know like where it's just like hey no problem bro like there's no temptation it's not common to man like let's move on like God forgave you like all right let's talk about recovery like what can we do like let's go on a walk let's hang out let's build community let's go exercise let's eat right like let's talk about how we can fix that you know and I was like I so I, I just so grateful and same thing with my therapist. They shared the vilest things and they're like, all right, cool. Like what, what caused that? Like, you know, they just not phased whatsoever. And that just, God used that to shape my view of God because during the last few years, like I literally was afraid of God. I wrote a little poem about the Bible. I stopped reading the Bible. I mean, I'm a preacher, dude. And I'm stopping to reading the Bible. And it says, why would I read the word when I don't trust you? When the one it's speaking of is out to get you. 
oh, it's hard to see you clearly when lies are all I see, but are they really lies? Because they feel so real to me. You know, like I literally felt anxiety reading the Bible. And so to have SAA and, and the therapists and stuff like that teach me about how God responds to sin. He's like, dude, not a big deal, bro. I took care of that a long time ago. Hey, don't worry about it, man. Like, I got you. Like, it was just healing to the max, you know? It was just so, so, so healing. So in January, you you slip up and you're not feeling awesome. What? Uh... No. And, uh, you know, you know, again, I'm like, you know, I guess, you know, the Lord, I was like, dang it. Again, it's that record, you know, and that's another thing in essay. Yeah, they keep yeah. that record. You know, it's like, Hey, I like 30 days sobriety. I made it a day. I made it a week. You get chips, you know, you get these like medallions, you know? And, sure. um, you know, and I'm just like, again, it's like this, like I cannot, and this leads up to the, the freedom testimony is like, again, it's like, dang it. Like, you know, I'm healed. Like I'm doing really well. I had open heart surgery. Like I'm doing really well. I'm at the latter end of getting out of this dark season of my life. Like I'm ready to start dating. Right. But like, dang it. Now, like I have this like chink in my armor. And so like, if I start dating somebody, eventually we're going to have that conversation. And like, I had that conversation before I had friends that had that conversation and like they broke up or like the girl left them like, or whatever, because like this one thing that comes up. And so dang it. Now if I have, if I date somebody and then like in six months from now, we have this conversation, then it's like, then I have to say like, yeah, it like, it was only like, when was the last time you gave in? It was like, Oh, that was, that was like six months ago. And I had, again, it's about the report. It's about the record. It's about how long I can say that I've been clean, even though God is healing me. But long story short, I end up, I end up in Ukraine. Uh, the, there's a war going on right now. I end up in Ukraine on a mission trip, very spontaneous last minute. God led me to go. And I'm literally driving these vans. Like we're doing transports of goods. We're 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 driving these vans. We're doing transports of goods to, to and from like the hot zones, right? And so we're literally driving. I I literally stayed the night in a town called Kharkiv, which is like within shooting distance, no pun intended, of the Russian border. Like like mm. there's bombed up areas, like one of the church courtyards. Like there was shrapnel and the broken glass and like you know all kinds of things, right? So I'm staying the night there and and whatnot. And so one of my co-missionaries, um, she had sent me this podcast uh, called the Death to Life podcast. And I'd heard about it. I've been good friends with uh, Why'd Justin Why did she send it Koo. to you? How did, how did that come up? Um, we, we had been interactions uh, during during the mission trip, like here and there. And a couple of days before, before I left, like I was like, I just had a burden on my heart. You know, it happens sometimes you're a little off. And so I was like, hey guys, can you pray for me? Like, I just feel like, I'm not at peace about something. I don't know what it is. And she had kind of prayed over me and not just like, Lord, please deliver him. But it was more like, Lord, is there anything that, that he's believing about himself that, you know, is hindering him from having peace? And then it was like this silence. So it's kind of like this interactive kind of coaching kind of prayer style, which I think is really awesome. And so she ministered to me, you know, so she just felt impressed to send me this podcast and I'd already known about it and I hadn't listened to it before. I had, How'd you know, you know about it? Some just because of the internet or something? No, because I my, my friend Justin, uh, I've known him. We went to Bible college together, um, and and so he had invited me to Love Reality in 2020. I went to like three or four meetings. Um, he had taught me. I talked to him on the phone a few times, and so I kind of like heard about the whole Love Reality, and I was like, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. Like it was still kind of foreign to me. And, but, you know, without me even participating in, you know, just, you know, listening to all these things since like within the last year, 
um, God had obviously been teaching me these other things through SAA, through journaling and, 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 and the tools mm-hmm. that I'd learned in therapy and, and whatnot. I've, you know, I'm an avid journaler and so I'm an external processor. And so I, you know, God is teaching me all these things. So I'm on this drive, I'm listening to this podcast and I was like, you know, okay, I'll listen to it. I'd try to listen to the first day, but I was too tired when I was driving. Can't listen to it. Let's to it the next day on the Sabbath. I woke up that morning to a bomb going off like boom at five thirty in the morning. I wake up and I was like, all right, well, wow. Lord, thank you that you keep us safe here. And so, and so we're driving through checkpoints. I'm driving like 11, 12 hours that day on Sabbath and we're delivering Bibles and great controversies of all things. Right. And God asked me, he's like, Hey, are you willing to risk your life for truth? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of already here. And the backstory is like the reason my friend and I even volunteered to do these drives was because we wanted to, you know, not because we're like adrenaline junkies, but we wanted to, we're willing to go to these places where other people are not willing. Other people want to like feed the home, feed people and house them. That's their skills. I have the gift of courage. So I was like, we'll go. And I was thinking like, we're going to like use tourniquets. And like, I was an EMT in the past. And so I was like, we're going to do all these things. We're going to go to the battlefield and we're going to like carry people out of the rubble. And like, you know, God used our desire for humanitarian work, like to, to do medical work on the front lines, to like help out, like rescue refugees and drive them from the hot zones to the safe zones to get me there. And while I'm there, he says, Oh yeah, actually I'm going to have you deliver Bibles and great controversies, which is a book about uh, end times and prophecy and like about the controversy between good and evil. And, and I was like, well, I'm kind of already here risking my life for the truth. And again, I, I haven't read the Bible a ton, right. In the last several years. And so God is still growing. My prayer was always like, Lord, teach me, teach me about truth. Like, like I'm not going to just force my, I'm not gonna read the Bible because I should, increase my desire for it and pique my interest. And so I said, you know, it basically was like a little, like a thought bomb, like no pun intended again, where God was like, you know, there's something, why were people willing to die for truth in the past? You think of the persecuted Christians, you think of Martin Luther and the, and the people that were dying at the stake for truth. And I was like, what is it about truth? What is it about Lord? And then I, it was just a prayer. I didn't feel guilty in the past. I would have been like, oh, Lord, I should, I should know more about the truth. You know? Now it's like, Lord, thank you so much that you're going, to, you're going to teach me the value of truth. Later that day, I now put the connections. I'm listening to the, to the first episode with Tyler Morris and then his wife, the second, Morgan. And it just starts to click, dude. And the key kicker was that he also had screwed up sexually with pornography, et cetera going online while he was married and didn't tell his wife about it. And I had that same experience where I was in this relationship. I went online and I related to that. And at first, you know, pastors have told me the whole time, like, yeah, there's just some things you don't tell your spouse. Like I was sincerely not telling her because I thought it was a good idea. Anyways, I end up telling her and then, you know, things go south. Right. And in the same way, you know, Tyler, same experience. And the crazy thing was, is that he had like, at the same time, he's receiving the gospel and he, he started saying like, yeah, I'm free. And I was like, what? And there, you know, and then I started, then I listened to the second episode, which is powerful because my number one fear was like, I I need to find somebody who can support me through this struggle. Like, this is something I'm going to work, be working on. It's like a, it's like, I'm getting better and better and better and lessing and lessing and lessing my, my need for acting out, but I will always be struggling. Like my goal was like, I'm going to go to SAA every single week for the rest of my life. Like I'm just going to put in the work. I'm going to show up and I'm going to like do that, 
that that base work, that foundational work, so that like I just don't need to act out anymore, right? I'm going to keep watering that tree and nourishing the tree because the tree is defective and it will, if you don't water it and if you don't take care of it, it will bear bad fruit. But if you just, you know, if you have a healthy tree, it's just like a plant. If you take care of it, it'll bear good fruit and it'll bloom beautiful flowers. But if not, it'll get bad. So that was just the way I was thinking. And so I'm listening to this episode and my fear was like, man, I need to find somebody who's not, who can understand like struggle and understand recovery, you know, cause dating somebody who's been an alcoholic or a narcotics, uh, you know, addict or, you know, somebody who's been through struggles is like, you got to find somebody who can understand and empathize. And even though they haven't done the same thing, that at least they understand that like, you know, there's struggles and there's mental health and there's, there's struggles and, and addiction and things, but you know, there's recovery and they're supportive. I was looking to find somebody as a spouse that could support me in that and, and understand my struggle. But here, like she didn't understand. Morgan didn't understand. And like, he's like having all this freedom and like this peace. And at first she wants to divorce him because he like obviously lied. And then he starts having all this freedom and she gets mad because he's like, why aren't you suffering in shame and guilt? Shouldn't you be feeling worse about this? And obviously he was sad and he was repentant and he apologized as much as he could. But then she wanted to divorce him because he was so stoked about Jesus. And the, the kicker for me was this. How can he say that he's free when he just recently screwed up? And I started thinking like, okay, okay. Like, and I had read a book about self-talk and how what you tell yourself, like the Bible even says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Like this idea is that you can reprogram how your mind thinks. And so I started resonating with this idea of like, okay, so maybe I like I tell myself that I'm free. Like I choose to believe it. But I was like, I can't do that. Because like just like the evidences of freedom in my head before were based on performance, like how long ago? Or like even my desires, like I still am tempted. Like I still see a girl on the street and like whatever. And now it's like, wait, I just say that I'm free? And like, then obviously now I understand more of the theology behind, like I'm already free. And like what you told me was impactful that like, we're not, we don't become free because we believe it. We already have been free. Like Jesus took our nature, the sinful nature, the sinful desires, the lies that cause us the brokenness, the hurt. He took all that to the cross. And so we're already been released. And so us believing it doesn't make it true is already true. And we can choose to believe it if we want. But going back to the story, I, I, I'm literally like wrestling. Like, I want this. Dang, Tyler. Like, ah, oh, man, do I want this? Like, I want to be able to say that I'm free. I would love to be able to like have that freedom. But like my, my life doesn't match up. Like how? And I literally said this, Lord, this feels like presumption. Like, how can I say this and lie? You know, like it, it, I was literally trying to muster the courage to say like the words I'm free, but I couldn't say it. And I thought again to the story of the pool of Bethesda where somebody who's been crippled for, I don't know, 20 plus years, I don't know how long it was, 30 years. And Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. And I, and like the same, like you said, what? Like you want me to get up and walk? You know, like that same impossibility factor, right? Like, it's just like, are you kidding me? That's not going to work. It's impossible. Like what kind of stupid like command is that? In the same way, now I used to be mad, by the way, about like how Jesus doesn't work modern day miracles. Like, you know, like, like what's up at the end of people always like, oh, the changed, the changed heart is the modern day miracle. And I was like, that's baloney. That's, that's lame. You know, like, let's see some people, you know, like I was always irritated. Now I see the same difficulty, the same impossibility of mind that the paralytic could not 
decide to get up. Like he obviously decided to, and he was healed. The same impossibility I had in my mind, I cannot say. Like it's physically impossible. Like there was chains in my mind. Like my words were tied up. I could not say. And eventually I was like, because it felt so wrong. It felt so presumptuous. And eventually I was like, uh, I'm free. Like I was like, like super <laughs> non-confident. Like just like I'm free. Like I'm free. Like it's kind of like sticking your toe in the cold water. Like you're just testing it out. Like am I going to mm-hmm. be struck down? Like is this wrong? Did you like, actually it, say this like, out was loud like, or was it just wrong. a thought? Yeah. Oh, I, I talk to myself out loud all the time. Um, and like, I, I just pray and, and whatnot. So I'm like, I'm free. Like I'm free. Like I'm listening to this podcast. I pause it. I'm listening. And I, I'm like weeping at the end of the story just to, to like realize how beautiful, like, man, like I not only need to find somebody who can support me, I need to find somebody who's free. Like, cause then there, and the key thing was like, one thing that Tyler said is like, I need nothing from my wife. I struggle with codependency because of that affirmation, because like, I don't have an identity. Like, he's like, I need nothing from my wife, nothing from my wife to give her everything. And I was like, what? And God had been teaching me about this idea that God is my everything. And I was like, Lord, what is it? Why do I crave marriage? Why do I want to be married so bad? It's because, and I, and, and I, and this is a little like thing that he taught me is like, it's a problem with associations. Like at a young age, Joel learned that through interactions with women, and relationships and friends, friendships, and through porn and sex and whatever. I mean, I was introduced to porn when I was in elementary school. Like I learned that that's where is a great source of comfort. You know, that's where I like, I found belonging. That's where I found being wanted and being liked, and you know, being the the center of attention. Because I didn't have those things, I was in a deficit, and so it's really a, a problem. Associations like I associated marriage with comfort, being fully known, fully loved, wanted, accepted. Like, you know, someone being stoked about you, like being liked, like, so lies that I believed is like, I'm unwanted. I'm a nobody. I'm not enough. You know, uh, I'm unlikable, unlovable. Um, you know, like you, you think you're like your defects on your body or whatever. Like, it's like, yeah, nobody's going to want to like me like this. Like I need to look good at all times. I need to act good at all times. And so to think of that idea, like he literally got asked him when the first time she wanted to get a divorce, like, do are you cool with her getting a divorce with me? Like, obviously you don't want it, but like, are you cool? Like, am I enough? And he's like, you know what? I'm choosing to believe that you aren't, that, that I'm, an, I'm enough in you and that you're enough for me. And then again, when he is now being threatened with divorce because he's so spiritual, because he has God, you would think that like, oh, I give my life to God and God turns it around. But no, again, it was like, do you have enough in me? And he's like, yes. And he chose to believe that. And thank God he worked a miracle in Morgan's life. And, and, and it's just so powerful. But I chose to, in the moment, I was like, you know what? I'm free. I believe it. I'm free. And I just have now, and it's been a growing, it's been a growing experience. And, and now it's like, I just reframe it. I thank God that I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's not only like forgiveness. It's like, that's what the lie was in my head. I like the book says the hidden half of the gospel. I literally associated for like justification and forgiveness. Like that's what the cross is all about. The cross was about forgiveness. And then sanctification was a struggle. The righteous man gets up seven times. And now I realize like, I can say that I'm free because all the lies, all the sin, like, and there's a difference by the way, between the sins that I've committed personally and the sin that Adam committed and Romans five, six and seven, the two Adams powerful, in other words, there's the, just like I did nothing to participate in the curse that Adam gave me. In the same way, I did nothing righteous or 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 bad to be able to participate by faith in the 
blessing and the and and the and the and the salvation and the freedom that God gives through Jesus. In other words, Jesus came and undid the curse that Adam did. Like he canceled that. It's kind of like you, you, he taps in. He's like, hey, I know you messed up. Let me give it a try. And he was victorious. And he undid that curse. Almost like Jesus came in and redid what Adam failed to do. And because of that, now it's like, and it says in Romans, is it Romans 6, it says, therefore, this is the key. Therefore, reckon yourselves indeed to be dead to sin. And I was like, it's saying like reckon or decide to say or consider yourself or tell yourself that you're dead to sin. I was like, how can I do that? And I decided, to say, well, the verse tells me to say that I'm perfect. It tells me to say that I'm free. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to say, it. and it started making sense. And I was like, oh, and then I started understanding this Adam one and two. And the reason I can say that I'm free is because I have been set free. It's not a case by case. Like, yeah, let me ask for forgiveness. And I stopped asking for forgiveness. I started thanking him for forgiveness. It's not like sin became not a big deal to me anymore. And now it's like, you know, I, I just live in the freedom that I have been purchased and I believe. And so when, I mean, just the other day, like there was temptation that came up and like, I was just like, that's the old Joel. Like the old Joel died. Cause in Romans six, it says, if you then were crucified with Christ, like by faith, yeah. the, everything that was sinful and had desires and lies and brokenness for sin died like before even i was born like i was born in 89 in in the year zero or whatever no what is it 31 whenever he died right don't get into that but whenever he died he took all the things like the nature that causes me to sin to this day or it did um he he nailed it to the cross and i can choose to step into that freedom or not me believing it doesn't make it true i believe it because it is true and so now, like you think, like man, the old Joel was all about the report, right? What are people going to think? And you know, to be able to disclose all this information, I was scared in the beginning, but that that fear, and I was like, Lord, what lies am I believing? And now I realize I'm just telling a story about the old Joel. The only reason I acted out all those years because I gave my life to the Lord a long time ago, is because I was allowing the old Joel the lie that he still was alive. And as Adventists, you know, we believe that, you know, you don't go to heaven when you die, that you're actually dead. And so the idea of an old person like that's dead resurrecting. So I was really participating in spiritualism, like spiritually as a, like metaphorically, right. Where I'm, a, I was believing the lies of a dead person to say like, Oh, you have to give into this. You're still in bondage. You're still a slave. You're still this, you're defective. You're only as good as your record or report. Now now, because that person has been crucified, I thought I told my friend the other day, it's like an ex-boyfriend for a girl or, or like, like, cause I was explaining this and I was like, it's like your ex-boyfriend. Like that brother was murdered at the cross. Like he doesn't exist anymore. He can't come around to haunt you or taunt you. And if, and if he does, it's like, yo, I don't, I don't like my relationship to you is dead. Like, and I just literally talk out loud like that with the Lord, like, yo, like the only reason I'm even considering this is because it's just my old man coming up. And it's just so powerful now just to know that like I'm good to go and that the same righteousness, because it says if you then were dead to dead with Christ, that you also raised with him. So I imagine like how God the Father looks at the son when he raised victorious, perfect, holy, blameless. That's how God looks at me. Like by faith, like I believe that I am perfect. I am holy. And going back to that Hebrews verse, it says there that through one sacrifice, he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. My favorite, Galatians 2.20, I am 
or I have been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live anymore because the old Joel died, baby. You know, it's Christ that lives in me and the life that I'm living now, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so now whenever I get discouraged, I mean, even if it's not, I mean, it's not even related to sexuality. Like whenever any, like I feel bad, like emotions, angry, sad, whatever, disturbed. I just say, Lord, what lies are causing this? Because I mean, if you believe that you're a loser or that you're unlovable or whatever, you're going to feel unlovable. You're going to feel like horrible. And when, and sin is really just an acting out, trying to fix that, like escape or medication of that. And so now I just say, Lord, what lies are causing me to feel off? You know, that's like my number one prayer, like in my journal, it's like, Lord, I'm feeling off. And then like the Lord reveals more about that. And, and I, sometimes I journal, sometimes I just pray when I'm out and about doing things. And now, uh, I just say, Lord, what, what lies? And then if I don't get it right away, I say, Lord, I thank you that you're going to show me what I need to know when I need to know it. And I'm going to move about my day. And if that means being anxious for an hour, like that's cool. But he ends up showing me the lie. Like, Oh, you're afraid. Like you're not looking forward to this interview because you're afraid you're not going to be able to say something cool and that people are not going to like your episode or whatever the lie is, or you're afraid that like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, or, you know, you know, you're talking to this person like, or like in future relationships, like, Oh, what if they find out? It's like, no, those are lies. And then he fills. And I say, Lord, what truth, what promise, blessing or hope or truth do you have to replace that with? And he's like, no, I'm the Lord of the harvest relating to that, like that performance or like me being responsible for witnessing. It's like, I'm the Lord of the harvest, dude, relax. Or then he's like, you know, I got your back. You know, I am your everything. Even, you know, you text this girl, right? You hope that she responds back. And it's like, you know, you have this fear like, oh, what if she doesn't respond back? I need her to like reciprocate words of affirmation, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. even if she never responds back, I'm good. Like, you know, I was like, uh, you know, tripping about you know messaging you like man i would love for like you know to like meet these guys like i feel like i'm this is this online family and i dm'd you on on instagram and i was anxious i was like man what is he gonna say like is he gonna be like hey thanks man bye you know or is you know and you were very responsive like you have the spirit like living in you but i was afraid i was like and i was like well even if he never responds back like i'm good because i'm free like i have everything i need like i can wake up as a beautiful son of god god sings over me and like i don't need anybody to, re- to respond or to affirm me or anything like, like I could be alone, cold, naked in a jail cell in Siberia. And like, no one ever talks to me until I die. And I could literally be in heaven because I have Jesus. Everything. Like if I need courage, I say, Lord, I thank you that because I've resurrected with Christ, I have the courage of Christ, like the perseverance of Christ, the faith of Christ, like everything I need. The Bible says that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places we have received through Christ. And so whatever I need, and for the listener, whatever you need, like like now I don't say, Lord, please give me courage. Whenever I like have that gut thing, like, oh, I need courage, like I'm afraid. It's like, Lord, I thank you so much that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and of a sound mind. I thank you that I have the courage of Jesus. I have the faith of Jesus. I have the perseverance. One thing that I that I struggle with or struggled, my old man struggled with, is just wondering what people will say when I share. I don't value the things that I have to share. I don't think I'm, think I'm a nobody. People don't like what I have to say or share. And I said, Lord, I thank you that I have the perfect tact and listening skills of Jesus. I don't say, Lord, please, please. Lord, I thank you that I have the perfect listening skills. I thank you that I have the perfect patience. I thank you that I can love and I don't need anything from any relationship that I'm in because I have everything in you. And it's just, it's just freeing. And doesn't mean there's not a struggle. 
I don't want to say a struggle. It doesn't mean that like emotions don't come up because we're still in this body of flesh. Like there's habits that need to be broken, but I'm not worried about it. Cause I just, I was like, yo, I'm free. Like there has no, like no evil formed against you will prosper. The Bible says. And so I just keep telling myself the truth. I don't just like, and this is another thing that this is another thing. Like I, I, I was like, Lord, help me to love myself. Like, how do I love myself? Like, right. Like I, I, I literally didn't like myself for the longest time. And even in recent months, I was like, Lord, how do I, how do I like myself? And I started dabbling in like this self-help, self-talk, self-love thing. Like on Instagram, you have these gurus and stuff and, you know, Tony Robbins and stuff. And they have a lot of good stuff, but also, and I was like, but how can I, how can I tell myself that I'm all that and a cup of tea, like that I'm awesome and loved and like I have purpose, like if I'm actually worth nothing, you know, where does my worth come from? Right. And so it's not just saying these things and then tricking your mind to believe that you have worth and value, you know, cause it, the, the mind is smart. It will follow through with what you tell it. However, I've realized that like, you know, just like a little arts and crafts like that a kid makes, you know, your son or daughter, uh, Richard, like they make a little arts and crafts and it's in an auction. You pay like $200 for this little piece of art. Like though you put like, just because Jesus, like people always say like, well, I was like, where do I get my value? And they said, oh, Jesus died for you. He paid the ultimate price. And I was like, just because a parent pays $200 for a piece of arts and crafts doesn't mean that it's, it's only worth like, like the paper and the glue and the glitter that's on that piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. It's not worth $300. Like, you know, where's the intrinsic value? Where's the, where's it actually come from? And so God just kept on teaching me. It's like, Jesus didn't die for you to give you value. He died for you because you are that ridiculously high price pearl. Like, like God is, it's not like the pearl of great price. It was like, yeah, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. And he's like, now nah, I'm going to sell everything and, and, and pay for it. <laughs> you know, like he's, 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 he's like, how much, <laughs> how much, how much is this pearl? And, and he's like, dude, this is worse. Like, Ten billion dollars, and he's like, uh-huh. "Dang it, I really want this. Like, I need to have this pearl. Let me see. I'll be back. Can you please hold it for me?" Right. And so uh-huh. now I don't say I'm worth everything. I'm a son of God because I'm just like, you know, blowing hot air. You know, like I'm just I'm not just like, you know, hyping myself up like a lot of people in the world have to do. They don't really know. Like that's why I don't believe in evolution. Like if you believe you came from nothing and that we're just getting like. Like now I believe I, I'm royalty. I was created with divine intention and like purpose. And I was created intimately by God. I'm his son. I've always been son. And I was just a son in bondage. And now I'm a free son and I'm good. So praise be to God and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Bro, dude. Bro, dude. Man, when I'm thinking about your story, first of all, I want to shout out Dana. Dana moves in the holy spirit man and she's taught me a lot yep yep and she's she's poured and, into and my to life. Justin, justin too oh justin and Koo, to justin man. too i'm super great like he, he's he's stuck with me and shared like and invited me to things over the years i'm just super grateful for both dana and justin for being willing to believe the gospel for themselves and then walk in the spirit which yeah. led me to to, to this uh, amazing, Let's, amazing, like road to Emmaus experience. Like I said to you in the DM, I was like, yo, I didn't have a road to Emmaus experience where I was hit by lightning, but I was like on the road in the Ukraine experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was literally in the Ukraine let, let, driving in a war zone. Let's go back to that, dude. When you told me before you were listening to Tyler's episode, and it didn't really make sense. And then there's this moment in Morgan's episode 
how long after this moment that you're listening to Morgan's episode and like when you finally get out of the car and you stop listening, like you understood I am free from sin? You know, there's this there's this uh, quote that I've kind of held on to for a while. It says that that um, faith is ours to exercise, but the blessing and the and the feeling are God's to give. Uh, another one that is kind of like a like a thing that I've held on to is like I believe it. It's like this. Uh, the book was like given this idea of like how you can claim by faith. Like I believe it, and it is so, not because I feel it but because God has promised. And so in the beginning, mm-hmm. like they, everyone, you know, like it was like, is it an experience? Is it like a, like, is it like this euphoria that comes over you? And like, it wasn't that in the beginning. It was very much like this blind, like, like just grappling with like, just like the lies in my head. And like, do I even deserve to like say that I'm free? And like, and it was whatever. But after a while it started clicking and it was like, and I don't even think it was until I got back like a week later where it, cause I was, I was living in freedom, but I was like, I didn't really like fully, fully get it. And as soon as I came back, it started clicking and I started listening to all these other episodes on the death of life podcast. Then it was like, it clicked. I was like, yo, and now I can't shut up about it. And now I want to share before I was like, you have to twist my arm to do evangelism. Like, you know, and now it's like, it's just, it's like, and, and during my, during my depression and stuff, I was like, I ain't going to do ministry. Like, I'm not going to do ministry. Like I need to do business. I'm going to do something like help people, but like in a non-spiritual way. Cause I don't want to be a pastor. You know, it just wasn't my thing. And now for the first time I've actually considered doing ministry. I don't, I still don't want to be a pastor, but like, like talking about God full time, because I actually have something because I was in ministry before and I was sharing the gospel and God and the truth and, and whatnot, but I was sharing somebody that I didn't like, but I didn't know it. And so mm. now I have something as like, yo, okay. Like the promise God kept on giving me over the last few years is like, yo, just wait. Like I'm better than you think. Like every time I would pray, Lord, what promise, blessing or hope or encouragement do you have for me? He's like, I'm better than you think. Cause I had problems with issues, like issues with who he was. And so now, now like I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I feel like God is calling me to, to talk about him and, and to help people in the area of addiction and brokenness and mental health and whatnot. And, but now it's like, I can bring God into it because I have a full picture. It's not blind faith where I'm just hoping and wishing for, for victory. And it's not though these lifestyle changes are important, the going to a therapist, having friends and, and, and those things are healing properties that God has given, you know, cause God wants us in that, that natural state that we have, like, like to live healthy, but it's not those alone that give us the victory. It's Jesus that all is not that gives us the victory. It's that gave us the victory. And because of that, I can live in that freedom. And now I have something I was like, yo, okay, it's, it's too good. Like I, 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 I can see my, so as is, I, the, is there a chance this is fake news? bro? Heck no, dude. Like, it's like, there's no way. Cause now I have something. It's like, it's so good. It's like, you know what? I, I can see myself talking about this for a while, you know? And, and one thing that like with me, like, I think I told you about this yesterday. I was like, yo, like this is people always like, yo, this is just another phase. Everybody knows Joel gets excited about things. If I like CrossFit, everybody knows about CrossFit. Like if I like you know, a certain <laughs> movie or I like certain things, if, if I'm into like online, you know, business or if I, if I'm into this, like everybody knows about it. Joel's gets excited about stuff, but it always changes. Like it, it just, you know, there's, 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 there's fads 
and I was thinking about it yesterday and, and lies came into my head. I felt discouraged. Like, man, what if this is a fad? Like, what if I'm just like super hyped and I'm getting all excited about this, but like, I'm just going to like go back into whatever. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because this already happened. Like there's actual like evidence that Jesus died and the cross is not just about forgiveness. He undid the curse that Adam gave us. And so like, I'm good to go. And I told you in a DM, I was like, I was like, dude, well, this is a super long fad. It's like 2000 year old fad. It's like continuous. I just didn't know about it. I'm jumping onto this trend. Like, like 2000 years too late, (laughs) you know, bro, my (laughs) wife, uh, you and I are similar in many ways. And my wife thought it was a fad because Richard always gets on these things. Oh, he's on a health kick or he's on this or that, or, oh, now he's, and, uh, this fad has been going on since 2019 for me, and I don't see it getting. I, I see it getting worse, man. I see like in a few years from now, worse in the good worse. way. Yeah, and it's just like there's things that are non-negotiable anymore. There, I mean, like mm-hmm. there's things I will not. Like we we could talk about the Bible and we talk about this or your opinion on that, but I will not accept that I am not free from sin by. By grace through faith, the word the book says it, and it's not going to change. But how long had you been back and listening to these episodes when you messaged me? Like, I think it's coming up on for sure three weeks since I, the Sabbath experience when I was like originally set free, uh-huh. and maybe four uh-huh. weeks. So maybe like two to three weeks. Like, like God had been prepping me, man. Like this uh-huh. podcast literally changed my life. And people always say that like in general, but like it literally did this time. Like oh, I have person. been set free and I'm good to go. And like people think of like, Oh, what about the future? Like, are you going to mess up? And yo, I don't even worry about that. Like if I do, that's because I'm leave, believing the lie that the old, like that, that I have to do those things. When in reality, I don't like that person is dead. I don't have a relationship with that person. Like it's non-existent. And they just like keep coming, like they keep coming back. I'm like, yo, get out of here, dude. Like you died 2000 years ago. Like I'm alive in Jesus. I, I literally am perfect, holy, blameless. Like I literally, I look, my character looks right now like Jesus when he resurrected, like just perfect, holy, blameless, conquering, divine, like it's powerful. And another promise that's powerful, it says in Peter, it says through the precious promises, we can become partakers of the divine nature. I thought that was like when we were glorified. It's like, yo, I have the nature of Christ. Like I have that perfect, holy, blameless nature. Um, though I still am in a body of flesh that like habits broken down, like our bodies degenerate, you know, as humans, like this just there's chemicals. I mean, like all kinds of things that like, like temptation comes, the devil tries to whisper lies, but now I understand that sin is the, has its root in lies. And Jesus took all those lies to the cr- cross. And in him, when the, and this is another verse that really impacted me. I was like, could I really say this like finite, like I am free once and for all? And the verse came to mind, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And I was like, and I was like, Lord, I kind of want to experience that. Like I've been set free, like, you know, forgiven and then had stretches of, you know, quote unquote freedom. But I was like, is there such a thing as a once and for all, you know? And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. It sounds really like, epic you know free indeed like there's a different freedom than just the worldly freedom and i've experienced that by faith and it's not because again not it doesn't happen because i believe it it is true and i decide to believe it so are you uh you worried about justin Koo, man 
you praying for my man Justin Koo? Like, he's deceived. Oh, that was funny. Dude, man, when he started dabbling these things on this YouTube channel, like some of my conservative friends and I were like, Lord, like be with Justin. Like he's kind of dabbling, you know, <laughs> like we we're like thought he was going off the deep end for a minute, you know, but now I'm like, dude, this brother has the peace of God and the truth. Bro, thank you so much, man. I don't know you at all, but I know you very well. Like you and I have the same spirit and just hearing you on Thursday night, my wife's like, who, who are you talking to? I was like, I don't know. It's just this guy. He's just pumped. Uh, we're going to talk tomorrow morning. And she was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And so just to hear this story today, man, and uh, it's humbling, man. It's humbling to hear that this podcast is blessing people's lives. Um, that's a real, that's the desire of my heart. And to see, to see it, man. Wow. Wow. That's that's all we want so man i appreciate your your heart your story and, and thanks for sharing with us bro thanks for having me on got me singing like glory yeah it got me telling my story know that your love is pouring on me and love is pouring on me river flowing in and never ends more than life more than me more than just pretend you can feel the freedom from within free to fly be the child that you always been yeah Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life and let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you.